is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get around. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a new show of the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. You can call us at 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, what is going on? Happy 7-7, which is, by the way, the official... 7-7, is that uh, like a special day or something? It is, uh, is time-wise, the official halfway point of the year. I forget which time exactly, but the official halfway point of the year Whoop-dee-doo. is on 7-7, mathematically speaking. For uh, those who don't know. I, to me, it doesn't matter. Uh, every no, single day. Day, every single second, every <laughs> single minute, every single hour goes so fast. It really doesn't matter what day, what time, what place we're in. We're all about sports, as everybody knows. And the NHL draft going on as we speak. The Islanders make an interesting trade. Mm-hmm. What is Jeff saying over here? Georgia just scored again. <laughs> oh, he, he was he was joking on Twitter yesterday oh. that the, the SEC network was re-airing the national championship game. And he was saying, oh, Georgia just scored again. And I responded, oh, don't tell Mark. <laughs> So Jeff's on, Niffin's on, everybody's on. We're happy to have everybody on. We have a great show lined up for you. At 10.30, we'll be talking to Grizzlies radio play-by-play broadcaster, Eric Hasseltine. He'll be joining us. Um, and at 11 o'clock, we will be talking to NBA.com and NBA TV commentator and analyst. Uh, how do you pronounce this? Bo Estes. You should have pronounced his la- his first name instead of his last name. I could have pronounced his last name better than his first. I wasn't sure if it was Estes. You might have gotten confused. No, so. Estes. So okay. Bo Estes would yep. be joining our show at 11 o'clock. A lot of topics to get into as we'll get into the NHL draft as the Islanders make a very interesting trade for a defenseman. A lot of Islander fans are jumping off a plank right now. I don't know why. Uh, they added a defenseman. Everybody thinks they need offensive help, but as you know, it's to me with the draft, uh, especially a draft like this, there's no guarantees in this year's draft. There's no sure thing. So maybe the Islanders at number 13 weren't interested in anybody. So they moved on and made a three-way trade, which sent their 13th pick to Chicago. And Montreal got some pieces. And the Islanders got themselves another defenseman, which they could use either in a trade or trade one of their other defensemen like Mayfield, who's mm-hmm. still on the team. So it'll be very interesting to see as the draft continues to go, either, either tonight or tomorrow, if the Islanders make a trade for maybe a JT Miller or somebody like that. Uh, to add that offensive firepower that they've needed over the last couple of years. Um, We'll get into Baker Mayfield trade uh, to the Panthers, a conditional fifth-round draft pick for 2024. Uh, I'll tell you why Joe Douglas is an absolute genius. Um, The Timberwolves reject a massive trade package, which would send Kevin Durant 
to the Timberwolves. So mm-hmm. that that's interesting. And now uh, the Nets are rejecting a massive trade from the Suns as well. Yeah, so. which involved Aiton, Bridges, and Cam Johnson. <laughs> and the Nets didn't want it. And three first-round picks, and the Nets didn't want it. <laughs> interesting. I, I guess they want... Uh, a team, maybe the Golden yeah. State Warriors. It seems like uh, yeah. one way or another, they're looking for the Golden State Warriors to to give them what they want so they can trade them back over there. To I don't know. Is it that much better than the Suns trade? I don't know. Uh, uh, A-Rod says the Yankees have a 50-50 shot at resigning Aaron Judge. We didn't get into it yep. on Tuesday, so we'll get into it tonight. Uh, notable pre-NHL draft moves, the Blackhawks trade. Uh, Alex Debrinkit yep. to the... Senators, the kid that scored, I think, 41, 41 goals. goals last year and then 41 goals three years ago as well. And the Rangers trade uh, Alexander Gorgioff to the Avalanche. Penguins resign uh, Chris Letang, six years, $36.5 million. LeBron encouraging the Lakers to trade as many draft picks as possible to land Kyrie. Hmm. Interesting. LeBron. LeBron GM, 3.0, 4.0, whatever we Why want to call Why are we it. not surprised? <laughs> LeBron has his hands dipped in the pot. But uh, this has always happened, and this has been going on for years. Not only with the L.A. Lakers, but the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Miami Heat, and everywhere he's ever been. So uh, LeBron James, a.k.a. GM of the year, uh, <laughs> is looking to land a big wig, Kyrie, who believes the earth is flat. So let's... Uh, Let's see how flat his brain is after they trade away five or six first-round draft picks uh, to send Kyrie Irving over there to the L.A. Lakers. Yes, Nathan, uh, the, the Nets did want Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, and yes, that we're not going to get that. I have no idea what the Nets think. <laughs> and they wanted, I think, three first-round picks in that, too. And no, of course they're not going to trade that. I, I, I don't understand why, and I repeat this. Why the Timberwolves would even think about making a move no. like that? But again, with the Brooklyn Nets and what the Brooklyn Nets are looking to do, and Sean Marks uh, is forcing his hand to trade KD. I guess he's trying to get whatever he possibly can to not get fired because uh, yeah. it seems like he could be uh, one foot out the door as we speak today. So um, who knows what could happen with KD? I I believe it's going to be a massive trade. If if you're not going to make that trade with the Suns. Uh, it means that the Nets are looking for a huge baggage, yeah. uh, which could obvi- obviously send uh, a very talented KD to a team that could be a playoff contending superstar team. So uh, we'll see what happens moving forward in the next couple of days. Um, so why don't we get into this? Uh, why don't we go into the Baker Mayfield thing? Because yeah. it seems like the Baker Mayfield story has broke. And and by the way, I want to give a shout out to Jeff because Jeff was the one that reached out to me during the day. He was in his pool and he reached out to me and says, Baker is no longer a Brown. He, and I said, where did he go? And he was, he was really pushing that he was going to Seattle. That's what his boy said. But uh, it wasn't Seattle. He was traded to the Carolina Panthers, a team that I really believe it was the right fit. I, I thought the Carolina Panthers, out of all the teams that was interested in in Baker Mayfield was the team for him to go to. Now, the interesting thing is they already have a quarterback, already a young quarterback that was drafted in the same draft at number three, and that would be Sam Darnold. And you look back and you try to figure out why this particular team, like the Carolina Panthers, would make a move like this. I understand they didn't give up much. They gave a conditional fifth-round draft pick in 2024, which is nothing. And Baker Mayfield... Say whatever you want. In the last four years, he's been a pretty good quarterback. Now, 
he has a very good team, a very good running game in Chubb and, and Hunt, uh, a good offensive-minded coach that's been there for the last two and a half years. So I understand why a lot of people think Baker Mayfield can't cut it anywhere else. But I still think Baker Mayfield was one play away from going to an AFC title game. And maybe, who knows, could have went to the Super Bowl and played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a lot of people are taking shots at Baker Mayfield all over social media saying that, uh, why would a team take, a, take that contract? By the way, the Browns are actually paying half the contract. So you're practically getting a steal in Baker Mayfield. Now, now he's facing in a, a competition of a Sam Darnold who has a lot of talent, who still, I believe, has the talent to win the job. Now, like Jeff told me the other day, I think the Carolina Panthers already know what Sam Darnold is. But how could you know what Sam Darnold is when he really didn't have anybody to throw to last year? Really nobody. Moore was hurt, How, I think, in, in the beginning of the season. I think they lost him in the fourth or fifth game. He was he, hurt for a little bit last yeah, year. But yeah, but he was hurt. And then he came back hurt. He wasn't 100% the whole season. And McCaffrey was out a significant amount yes. of time. And losing McCaffrey, and I will say this again, McCaffrey was the guy that stirred the boat. He was the guy. They were 3-0 in the beginning of the season. It was because McCaffrey put the team on his shoulders. And when they lost Christian McCaffrey for a significant amount of time, and I, I've said this again, he is that he is that or, that offense. He's everything to help Sam Donald really move that play action type of offense. It wasn't the same without him. Now, when when you look at this trade, you got Baker versus Sam Donald. Now, what makes Joe Douglas a genius? And I said this why I believe it shows that Joe Douglas is a genius is because. He traded with the Carolina Panthers for a second and a fourth, which helped them get Jermaine Johnson and helped them get – who's the kid, the, the pass rusher from Texas A&M? Oh, Clemens, got, yeah. Michael Clemens. Now, Michael Clemens could be, play a big part in their defense, and so could Jermaine Johnson, who a lot of people thought absolutely fell as a top-ten prospect. And they were uh, some of our draft experts were saying Clemens was like a third round prospect or second third round prospect, and it only really fell because of disciplinary issues. So when you look at this and you look at the Baker Mayfield, all they got, all the Cleveland Browns got on this trade from a quarterback that took you to the playoffs the year before, almost to an AFC title game, was a fifth round conditional 2024 pick. So when you look at it, Joe Douglas is a complete genius because they he got. Two st- possible starters for a quarterback that could be out of the league, Speedy, in in the next year. Yep, timing is everything now with quarterbacks in terms of getting the trade package to what you want it to be, whether it's whether it's a veteran quarterback or whether it's a, a young quarterback like Sam Darnold, who if the Panthers did believe they had upside, they traded for upside. And again, we'll see if the jury's out and if they end up getting him. But clearly, they're not good. They don't think they can get that upside because they also could trade for they also just traded for Baker Mayfield now, too. So they yeah, they did well in terms of getting it at the right time with the Browns when the Browns are going through all the drama that they have. And they made up for the overpayment of the Sam Darnold trade so far. Who will win the job? Who knows? A lot of it will depend on Baker's injury, but there's, the Panthers still have a lot of question marks as it is. But it just shows you how valuable the timing is in terms of trading for a quarterback. The The Lions got did well with the Stafford trade because they traded him at the right time when he wanted out and still was coming off a pretty good year even though he had some injury issues. The The Falcons not so much for Matt Ryan when they traded for him. Watch uh, uh, Philly did well with the Wentz trade, getting the first round picks. They traded him at the right time. 
even though he had the injury issue. So it's a big wild card of what they're going through now, but it definitely shows you a lot about the Jets banking on the fact that still other teams could believe in Sam Darnold's upside where it might have not been there. Still the turnovers were there. And the same kind of thing with Baker Mayfield. A lot of interceptions so far, and the Panthers are able to get a bargain off of that. It makes you feel bad for a guy like Sam Darnold because he's been in this league for what, five years now? Yeah, and he, year, yeah. he was the youngest starting quarterback in NFL history. A lot of people thought he had a bright future, not only for the New York Jets as a quarterback in the league. Came, coming from USC, a lot of people be- believed that he was going to figure things out as the Jets' starting quarterback. It just didn't fall together. When Joe Douglas came in, he wanted to bring his own quarterback. And then, obviously, Zach Wilson was drafted last year, and they had to move on for Sam Darnold. It just feel, it, the The thought... Of what happened to the, the reign of Sam Darnold and his 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 starting quarterback uh, opportunities has fallen apart right in front of his face, and and now Baker Mayfield's there, and you wonder is Baker going to win the job just because of what he's done in the last couple of years with the Cleveland Browns? Are they even going to give Sam Darnold an opportunity to win the job? That is that's the interesting question. Now Baker Mayfield is is making a lot of money, and obviously the Browns. And, and, and Carolina had to, to figure out how these contracts were going to work right. before they made that move. Now, I think w- when you heard the story that Seattle wasn't even interested in Baker Mayfield, a lot of the reasons why they weren't interested in Baker Mayfield, as what I read, is because of the contract and the, the money that he was owed. So I understand why, and, and Jeff made a good point the other day to me, is that a lot of teams were not interested in Baker Mayfield because of the contract and because of the next year's draft class of quarterbacks. There's a ton of them, uh, and, and Bryce is in there, uh, the Alabama quarterback, and, and the different, I think five or six could be uh, vacant quarterback jobs that could be open next year where they could be looking for a quarterback. Now, I, I think that when you look at the Baker Mayfield move, it, it shows what they need as you know the carolina the carolina panthers are looking for what they're looking for as a quarterback now this is an important year for their matt rule because mm-hmm. matt rule if he doesn't have a good season and this team doesn't have a 9 or 10 win season or sneak into the playoffs in a very weak nfc he could be looking for a new job or he might not be in the nfl more anymore he might be going back to temple or wherever the hell he was <laughs> so uh, again when you look at the big picture right now, this is an important year for the Carolina Panthers, who's had a, a lot of talent over the last year, the last couple of years mm-hmm. defensively. They brought in the secondary help that they needed last year. It didn't. They lost their star corner early in the season. Barely played. Tore. I think he tore his uh, ACL. Yes, right. Yep. So he was out for the season. So and then they they made a move. They brought in a. A free agent. Well, I guess they traded for CJ Henderson. Henderson. It didn't work out there. And then they brought in the kid from um, uh, the Patriots. Gilmore, yeah. Gilmore, who who played well in the second half of the season. But he's no longer. He is no longer a Carolina Panther. So it is very interesting. This whole Baker Mayfield thing. And this could be an absolute slam dunk for the Carolina Panthers. It really could. Because I believe Baker could play in this game. I really do. I think he's a talented prospect, prospect prospect quarterback still. And the reason why I say he's a prospect quarterback is he's still fair, still young. He's, what, 26 years old? He still has a lot of years left. And re- remember, he is not even close to the prime of his career yet. So we've seen glimpses of t- you know a Baker Mayfield who could be a star quarterback in his league. A couple of years ago, he had 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions, and he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So 
To say that Baker can't do and he can't produce, yes, he played for a very talented Cleveland Brown team. And we don't know what this Carolina Panther team is going to be offensively because they're not anywhere close to the the talent that the Cleveland Browns have been offensive line-wise and offensive talent that they had at the tight end position with Hooper and and the talent that they had with the wide receivers in Beckham and, and, um, and Landry. They don't have that, but they do have C.J. Moore. They do have Christian McCaffrey. So I'm interested to see, Speedy, what Baker could do fitting him into the offense. There's two things that the Panthers are going to have to do to make the Baker thing work, and that is, one, make sure that their offensive line does end up playing well for him. They drafted a Quanu, which will help, but they still have a lot of holes on the interior, and two, they got to make sure that they can keep their receivers healthy, too. Now, there are some advantages for Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold in terms of making those guys better. Now, McCaffrey's great on his own. I think he'll be good no matter what quarterback he's with, as long as he can stay healthy. Now, DJ Moore is a guy that's a good route runner, but is still not a a big-time deep threat, and he's still has had some drop issues in his career. Not really a big touchdown guy because he's a smaller guy. He's had four touchdowns last each of the last three years. But Robbie Anderson, a guy that's also had drop problems as well. But Baker Mayfield's deep accuracy metrics are much better than Sam Darnold. So maybe something that could help his deep threat game get back in the form like you saw early in his Jets career too. Now, obviously he's older. That might not make that might be a tough thing to They're make. They're both very young. They're yeah. both uh, Sam Darnold's what twenty five years no, I was old. Talking about Robbie Anderson and Robbie Robbie Anderson's not that old. He's 28, 29 years old. He still has at least two or three years good left. He's a speed demon on the outside. And I think Baker is a more accurate quarterback than Sam yeah, Darnold. Yeah, deep accuracy-wise, he absolutely is. And his metrics are actually underrated for somebody that is does not have a big arm. So that could be something that could help him, assuming that the injuries don't carry over. Now, I think not- he fits very well in this offense. I really do. And I like what Matt, Matt, Matt Rule likes to do. He likes to run the ball first, a.k.a. what the Cleveland Browns do, right. and then throw the ball. But... Again, Carolina doesn't have the running game that the Cleveland Browns do. The Cleveland Browns have been a top-five running team in the league for the last three years with Chubb and Hunt. They don't have the running game uh, that those two players can produce. No. Especially, Hunt missed eight—he uh, only played eight games last right. year. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Chubb missed a couple of games but played the majority of the games. When you have a two-headed monster that good, Christian McCaffrey, if he gets hurt— it's not the same offense, and you can't right. run the same offense through the running backs like yeah. they did last year early in the season. Not only that, they don't. The Panthers have nowhere near the offensive line the Browns have had. The Browns have had the best performance offensive line in the last two years. It's weird though because it was horrible in 2019, and they made all those upgrades. All of a sudden, it became the best. But the Panthers, they've been trying to find that offensive line. Really, even their Super Bowl team, their offensive line hasn't been wasn't good that year either. So they've been trying to find that for decades now. The uh, having a stable offensive line, probably the 08 one, that 08 team when Stewart and Williams ran like crazy that year was the last year they had we're not talking line. about what they did in 08 so they're gonna have to they're gonna have to find that kind of identity to either help out Baker Mayfield scheme wise because Matt Rule statistically I think he his scheme did not t- took a step back last year because yes McCaffrey was hurt in 2020 as well but I think he still did some good things to do well offensively and hang tough against good teams they didn't do that last year I think that's why a lot of people think he's on the hot seat this year and regardless of which quarterback starts they're gonna have to make the offensive line adjustments to make that work and what is this mean with the Cleveland Browns as far as the backup quarterback position. Now, Deshaun Watson could miss the whole season. He could miss 10 games. Could miss 12 games. Who knows? We don't know until the NFL decides on how they're going to rule this. And that's going to be the interesting part of this whole uh, this whole trade over here yep. where Carolina gets Baker Mayfield. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is available. Now, uh, San Francisco right now looks like they're going to start their young quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo could be on his way out. They could release him. They could trade him. 
Now, Cleveland, if he's released, I, I could see Cleveland jumping on this. Now, here's the thing. If they're paying half of Baker Mayfield's salary, how much could they afford in bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo as the backup quarterback or the starting quarterback early in the season? That's going to be the question. And I think the lead team to get Jimmy Garoppolo is the Cleveland Browns, especially knowing that Deshaun Watson could miss a significant amount of time. Yeah, it's going to have to be because the Browns are gonna otherwise going to have to start Jacoby Brissett, who's really a fluky type guy. Josh Dobbs is the only other quarterback on their roster, so and he, I don't think he even started a game in the NFL. That's why so. it doesn't make any sense yeah. why they decided to move Baker Mayfield. Now, obviously, Cleveland just wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. There was stuff going on mm-hmm. on off and the off field, the field yeah. where they don't like the fact that his wife – or his fiance, I guess it's his wife now, is is speaking up for him and doing the things that she has done off and on the you know on social media. So it's going to be very. It was very interesting to see what Baker Mayfield was saying, uh, you know, on social media, trying to protect his wife and trying to protect his responsibility as the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Now, now looking at the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. What is Cleveland going to do if Deshaun Watson misses the whole season? Now losing Baker Mayfield at your starting quarterback last year. Yes, he, he missed a significant amount of time, and he played with a big big injury of shoulder, his shoulder injury, non-throwing arm. And that's why I keep saying to a lot of people, there was no reason why fans were attacking Baker yeah. Mayfield the way they did right. during the season. He wasn't 100% healthy. He still played. He was as tough as nails, and he went out there, and he did the best that he can. On a Cleveland Browns team, let's be honest, was not 100% healthy. The whole Odell Beckham thing early in the season really uh, shook a lot of people. And then uh, the injuries that they were contending with. Uh, Landry was not 100% healthy. They, at one point, they, they were starting third and fourth string wide receivers. And running backs. And running backs. So it, they were not 100% healthy. And going into the season, including you, Speedy, you thought that Browns the Cleveland the Browns Super Bowl. Yes, were I the Super that. Bowl championship team. And they were that talented of a team. I did not. But again... Baker you Mayfield. had him in the playoffs. You didn't have him as the Super Bowl. I, I, I thought that Baker Mayfield played a big part of what they did the year before that right. with the 27-7 and seven that he had mm-hmm. last year at almost 4,000 yards. Yep. So I, I think when you look at the big picture right now, the question really lies to the Cleveland Browns. Where are they going to go at the quarterback position now that Deshaun Watson could be sitting out for at least 10 to 11 games? So, Or maybe the whole season. So yeah. it's, it's, it's very interesting. And it makes it stuck to this point because, like you were saying, I picked him as my AFC representative in the Super Bowl last year because of the depth and talent they had on the roster. But there's two things you can't botch in the NFL, and that's the drama of surrounding a locker room and the quarterback position in a passing league. And the Browns did botch both of those and caused Baker Mayfield to have too much tension with the organization. A, a, a GM that's good, I think, in Andrew Barry. The ownership is questionable. I guess you could go there. But you can't tarnish that kind of relationship. And then all of a sudden, they try to make the ultimate boomer bust trade for Deshaun Watson, a guy with all these off-field issues. And then all of a sudden, he might not even play. So then all of a sudden, you're dealing with a case where you either have to desperately go for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a good culture guy, but isn't anything special of a quarterback himself. Yeah, he has a Super Bowl appearance, whatever. But he's not something that's going to be a franchise game changer. And then you also have no draft picks to be able to trade for anybody else. Von Miller... This is a big story right now. Von Miller was willing to take less money to go to the Cowboys in the offseason, mm. instead taking the big contract from the Buffalo Bills. I thought the Buffalo Bills absolutely overpaid Von Miller, but going into the offseason, 
Buffalo was losing a significant amount of veteran players on the defensive side of the ball. And Von Miller was sticking out like a sore thumb. What he did with the Rams in the playoffs last year. He's been a very big playoff player for the Broncos and the Rams. He's won multiple Super Bowls. Uh, with the Broncos and the Rams. So I, I, I like Von Miller. I think he's a great player, but he was fairly overpaid for uh, – uh, I, I wouldn't say fairly. He was overpaid. Overpaid years-wise. Years-wise, yeah. but fairly for who he was as a player for the last couple of years. Now, uh, the fact that he was going to take less money to go to the Cowboys, I have no idea why he wanted <laughs> to play for the Cowboys. Now, obviously, they have a good young – uh, top top of the line uh, pass rusher uh, that played fantastic last year, rookie of the year, uh, who was as good as any pass rusher in the league last year. But to sit there and tell everybody that Von Miller would rather go and play for the Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills is not selling me whatsoever. No. <laughs> Buffalo gave him the extra years, first of all. So you're getting... Plus six he's four- 33 years old and he yeah. wants to keep winning. You lucked out in that regard. I was thinking that Von Miller's going to get a four-year contract. Probably the money about the same, $20 million a year it's is It's ridiculous fine. how uh, much money he's making at 33. The, si- the six years is surprising, though. But nevertheless... He's yeah. not playing six years. I, he probably isn't, but... No, he got $50 million or $60 million guaranteed. Yeah. So, but still, like you were saying, Buffalo has a much more complete secondary. He got, you got Tredavious White coming back this year. You got two good safeties. You got two good linebackers. You've got a lot of good young defensive players that could develop in that system, too. Two good defensive tackles. Dallas has, yes, they have a couple flashy players. Nice. Van Der Esch is good. Parsons is very good, like you were saying. They have Trayvon Diggs, who's a kind of a boomer bust type corner interception guy that allows a bunch of big plays. And Dan Quinn's been a good defensive coordinator. Fine. I don't know why. what makes it take you less money to go to Dallas when Buffalo is a much better offensive team, too. It makes no sense. I mean, unless he doesn't really care about winning the Super Bowls because he won two of them already. But still, the Cowboys? Uh, I don't know about that one. Unless they think Jerry Jones was going to... But then he said he was going to take less money. So I don't know. That's what it, That's what this story, this is that's what this article yeah. is saying. That he would have taken less money to go play for the Dallas Cowboys, which is interesting. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys, who lost a lot this offseason. Right. They, they lost Collins at the, on the offensive line. They lost a, a few defensive players. Uh, they, they they kept Van Der Esch, but they only signed him to one year, uh, one year deal. I think he's one of the more talented linebackers in the league when healthy. So um, it's, Emphasis on when healthy, though. <laughs> it's interesting to see... You know, as the season progressively moves forward with OTAs about to start and uh, preseason right around the corner, what some of these teams are going to be this year. The NFC, very weak. A lot of these good players have jumped from the NFC to the AFC. Uh, and you, you talk about some of these powerhouse AFC teams, like we talk about the Las Vegas uh, Raiders or the Kansas City Chiefs, who lost Tyreek Hill, who went to Miami. Now Miami is in a, a talented uh, division with the Patriots and Buffalo and the Jets. I, I mean, and then you, you look at the AFC North, which is very talented too, with the really Pittsburgh funny. Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, and yes, the new and improved offensive line of the Bengals that yep. went to the Super Bowl last year, which their weakness was their offensive line. So, and they have a tremendous amount of talent running wise, mix in, and their three talented wide receivers in Boyd and, and um, Higgins, Higgins Chase, and, and yeah. Chase. I'm sorry. But uh, it's going to be a very. He's interesting preseason OTAs on how some of these players stay healthy and where some of these teams could go uh, as the season progressively moves forward. So, uh, Snuck says maybe LeBron can moonlight as an GM. I mean, he does have four rings. Uh, hmm, you could say stuff, stuff Baker in a Sam's body. You might have a decent quarterback, maybe. It may help what the ghosts came was seeing. Yes, that was the title of the show. Is Sam Donald seeing the ghosts of Baker Mayfield? Uh, Christian McCaffrey pulled a hammy just reading about the trade. Uh, shout out to Ben in the comments section. 
direction as well. Uh, I think the Panthers are a question mark as a franchise. No, but I just think they're bad at developing offensive line. That's all I was saying. Uh, considering his paychecks, I'm sure Sam will be just fine. Uh, Sam Darnold could be the next Chase Daniel. That's good work if you could get it. Jeff says Darnold is washed. Uh, Snug says how long will they ruin Zach Wilson? Uh, Why does this have anything to do with the Jets? We're not even talking about the Jets. Probably as you mentioned Joe Douglas. So so what? We brought up Joe Douglas about the trade that he made, which got him a second and a fourth for right. Sam Darnold. Trade him at the right time. That has nothing to do with Zach Wilson. Right. We're not even talking about Zach. Keep Zach Wilson out of the conversation. We're not even talking about <laughs> Jeff says the Browns with Brissett still better than the Cowboys. Uh, Brissett's a pretty good backup that should that he thinks that could work and the nfc is only weak for, because that's where the cowboys are and Stark says the browns have botched every quarterback decision for the last two seasons well yeah and the last 20 years so. <laughs> they're not the brightest even when they do get baker mayfield who who did well for them in certain years outside of 2019 did well for them so baker heading over there to carolina sam Darnold could be on his way out maybe they trade him there are sto- was stories that teams are interested in making a trade for Sam, I, you're not going to get much no. back for Sam, especially what the Jets robbing. And I, I mean, they robbed the Carolina Panthers yeah. for a second and a fourth for Sam. But a lot of people thought that it, Sam moving on to another team and getting an opportunity somewhere else was better, you know, better for him moving forward, especially being a young quarterback as he was. So he was 24 when he was traded to the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. He, and, and when he came into the league, he was the youngest quarterback, youngest starting quarterback in NFL history. I think he was like he was 20. twenty. He was twenty years, like two hundred something days. I think at that point, which is crazy. And he's been in the league this long, and he's it looks like he's a bust. But we'll see. Yeah, um, and it's going to be hard now. Maybe the competition will fuel him, but it's hard in today's league. It's, it, you don't really see the draft and develop type quarterbacks anymore. So once you're already three years kind of worn out, it's going to be hard for you to get a rebirth just like that in today's league. It seems like the Nets. <laughs> are just a laughing stock of the NBA. It just gets worse and worse and worse as as the weeks and days go by with this KD thing. And and now you're hearing that the Timberwolves rejected a massive trade which would have sent Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and two I think first three first round picks. Three first round draft picks to the Nets for KD. Which makes absolutely no sense. Why would they trade for Rudy Gobert? And, and want to put him together with Carl Anthony Towns, which gives him the defense that they absolutely needed, uh, especially last year. In the second half, they were a horrible defensive team, and which cost them in the playoffs. You saw it. They had a chance in the first round to surprise a lot of people, and they got knocked out because their defense couldn't cut it. Especially in the fourth quarter, they were horrible. So you think about this K- KD thing, and, and it looks like the Nets are trying to get the a humongous, a humongous uh, you know, a bunch a, a trade package from uh, multiple teams. Now it seems like they want that Golden State package because uh, Jordan Poole, uh, Andrew Wiggins, and who's the other kid? Wiseman uh, are the three guys that they really, really like, and they can build their team around. And this is an important move for Sean Marks because this can make or break him as a GM. Now there are other teams that are interested in making a move. The, the master trade. Uh, offer from the Suns. Speedy, what was the what trade offer? So the, the trade offer that the Suns was actually offering the Nets was three first round picks if they could make it work with eight in the sign and trade and then Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges who are two of the more talented wing players. So, but outside of the rookie contract stipulation where the Nets are going to have to try to either trade Ben Simmons or get a 13 I don't involved. think that's enough for KD by the way. I don't. Even with DeAndre Ayton in the trade. I don't really like DeAndre Ayton. I think he's a very overrated center. 
And 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 his game doesn't fit in the NBA game anymore. I, I you need a, a center that could shoot threes. DeAndre Ayton is not a good three point shooter. He's a good perimeter guy. He gets into the paints. He draws fouls. He's not a great free throw shooter. He's a decent free throw shooter. And his defense his defense in certain parts of the season were skeptical. Now he is a good rebounder. And, and that's the Nets. That was a big pro- problem for the Nets last year, especially in the playoffs. They couldn't out-rebound a very big Brooklyn Net. I mean, a Celtic team, Celtics. a Boston Celtic team. So it's interesting to see what the Nets are looking to get for a guy like KD. Now, KD's 33 years old. He's going to be 34 in the beginning of the season next year. And, and you wonder where the Nets and how the Nets are looking to move KD, which could help them for the future. Now they have no first round draft after giving up the 2023 pick uh, to the, I think it was the Utah, Utah Jazz. for Royce O'Neal. Yeah. yeah. So they, they lost that. They don't have a 2024. They, they, they could fly. They could they have two pick swaps, 2025 and 2027. Right. Which, which means that if, if the Nets have a lottery pick, it could be, flip-flopped with the Rockets, and they can have a lottery pick. <laughs> yep. And the Rockets are just, like, winning on this trade. Everything the Nets have done in the last, I would say, 10 years, 12 years, when it comes to the draft and moving players, try to bring in big superstar players, has not worked. It hasn't. I, I'll go back to the Boston Celtics. It, the, the, the Nets gave up five, uh, four, I think it was four first-round draft picks and a fifth, you know, swap. With the Boston Celtics, which gave them Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which are their two superstars right now, which took them all the way to the finals this past year. And now, with the whole James Harden thing, they this year's draft pick, right? I think this year, was it this year's draft pick? No, I think it was next year's. Next year's draft pick yeah. could be a lottery pick. And now that KD and Kyrie are not there, it's probably going to be a lottery pick. It could be a top three pick, mm-hmm. which could be going to the Rockets again, and they could be drafting in the top three, not one, not two, but three years in a row. Yeah, and they already got Jalen Green and Jabari Smith, two guys that you, two of the best players of their draft class that they, they could build around, and they're going to get two more possibly. And they're a big city, too. They might uh, attract other young players, other top players top five, to go I mean. there. Top five, yeah. yeah. But they could attract their big city. They could attract the other young players, too, to make that kind of thing work. Meanwhile, the Nets, who, yeah, okay, you might – we don't like the Suns trade off or why there's too many wings. There's too many offensive players, whatever it is. There's three good players in that trade. Mikhail Bridges was a defensive player of the year finalist. DeAndre Ayton is a good young center. Yes. He has some shooting issues. He's not the greatest shooter for a center, but there's not a lot of great shooting centers in the league anyway. And then you got Cam Johnson, who is a good shooter and three first round picks. I don't think you're going to get a better offer than that. I hate to break it to you. Yeah. Maybe golden States. I would sell my draws before I traded for James Harden. Okay. Well, okay. There's also that. That's the truth. Absolutely. I, I, right now, and, and by the way, James Harden looks really, really good. I heard he's training really, really hard here in New York. Congratulations. Uh, he is a free agent now. He opted opted not to take and, and buy into that contract, the $80 million for two years with the 76ers. I don't know where James Harden is going. I don't think James Harden knows where he is going. But uh, there's not many teams that can give him the contract that he wants. And the extension that he wants. Now, I'm very surprised he didn't take the, he didn't opt into that 76ers contract. Yeah. But maybe he felt that he didn't fit in that offense, or maybe he doesn't feel that he wants to stay in Philadelphia. But he really pushed himself out of Brooklyn to go and play with Embiid. 
So it doesn't make any sense on why he didn't take the, the the eighty million dollars that they were offering him. I think he's the only that's the only good team left, so that's gonna take him on at this point because of the price range for one and two, because of the way he performed in the playoffs. It came to the point last year where James Harden was a third option. Tyrese Maxey, their second year Which point. Which they better guard. figure out how to sign him. Yeah. But the, Tyrese Maxey was playing better than he was, and that came to the point, too, where I know you were talking about it on the weekend crunch with Artemi Panera and the way he was playing in the playoffs. It came to the point where he just became passive at certain points, too. And, like, he wasn't shooting. He wasn't he – was, he was trying to do too much at certain points or he was just scared to do stuff at certain points. And it seems like it came, it came to the point where that was the case. He was getting some kind of yips. And Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid were playing just fine. But when you have a team that doesn't have a lot of depth and relies on you and is paying you $40-plus million a year, you got to show up. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a pretty – problem if you are getting paid that kind of money. Otherwise, you're going to get paid for by a team that's probably a fringe contender and then probably will trade you again. And then is another contender team going to take you on for that kind of thing? Yeah, good luck with that. That's probably why he, he's probably going to end up back with the, uh, the Sixers. Se- yeah. That's exactly, yeah, I think I think it's just a matter of getting the years to work because I know he wants to get... Because I'm reading here, James Harden still remains unrestricted free agent but is expected to return to the Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers. Right. So one way or another, they got to negotiate some kind of some kind of deal with this. I I think he wanted three to four years, but they're giving him two. But maybe if he spreads out the contract and gets a little bit less for the years, I think they'll they'll the 76ers will sign him to an extension. Yeah, so. it could be years or uh, opt out uh, team option, player option. There's a lot of stipulations. I think James Harden still. We never know if he's going to want to stay with that current team of just how often he demands or forces his way out of teams, so maybe the Sixers necessarily don't trust it. I think he also wants to bank on the guaranteed money within a short period of time because he sees that maybe his game is deteriorating because he did have a down year last year and was bad in the playoffs, so maybe he wants to bank on it now and not get it for the second contract, but also maybe bank on himself to get the Jeff second contract. Jeff says uh, there was an agreement to three years, $109 million. I haven't read anything of that. Not not in any story that I've read. I don't know where Jeff is getting that. Speedy, look that up. Because yeah. I'm right now on James Harden and, and looking up free agency, and nothing has said that he has taken uh, a three-year, $109 million contract. So there was no guarantees to that. I have not seen anything of that, but we'll see. Um, uh, also, LeBron James has encouraged the Lakers to trade as many first-round draft picks as possible to land Kyrie Irving. Now, what does this do for the Lakers? Now, I think the Lakers, if they get Kyrie Irving, they're going to have to move Russell Westbrook. That's one. they got to get rid of that contract. I know it's only one year left on the contract. Are the Nets willing to take on that contract? That's the question. And how many first-round draft picks do you have that you're going to trade away? And do the Nets want your first-round draft picks? Because the Lakers, if they get Kyrie Irving, they still have LeBron at the top of his game. If Anthony Davis could stay healthy, you have three a, tri- a trio of uh, of talented players that could win you and help you win a championship. Definitely going to be in the top of the West. So uh, why would the Nets do that? Because you're not getting a lottery pick out of any of those. If if, if any of those picks, if you trade with the Lakers, now the Lakers in five years, six years might not be good because LeBron James could be uh, leaving to play with Bronny. Right. Anthony Davis could be traded, and Kyrie Irving might. You know, be sitting home uh, collecting uh, a beer belly or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe he might be flying to the moon because he thinks the earth is flat. So, yeah, just take a look who at the knows? Earth. Who knows what Kyrie's thinking? But uh, to me, 
for the next couple of years, the Nets aren't going to get anything out of those um, those first-round draft picks that they would get from the Lakers. Now, you can't get back-to-back first-round draft picks from the Lakers, so it, they would, it would have to be every other year. Right. Maybe they make a they make a deal with the Lakers that you can flip flop and swap trade you know draft picks for the next five six years. I I, I don't know how that works, but it, it, to me, LeBron James speaks out, and and obviously the Lakers are going to listen. Now the question is, does it make sense for the Nets to trade Kyrie to the Lakers when you can get more? Now Kyrie already said he just wants to play for the Lakers, and that that means if he's telling the Nets that he only wants to play for the Lakers. He doesn't want to play for anybody else. It's going to be hard to trade him because you don't know if he's going to play or he's going to show up to practices or show up to games when he needs to. So he's kind of forcing his way out. And this is why I hate the NBA. This is why I hate the NBA because the players run the league. And if they're telling the GMs or they're telling the owners, I only want to play here, train me here or I'm not playing. I'm sitting out. So now you are forcing the hand that feeds you, you know what, I, 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 I don't care how much you pay me, I want to go here. So I, it just sucks because I, I think that the players should not be in control of where they go. It should be, if, unless you have a no-trade clause. Now, Kyrie doesn't have a no-trade clause. Nope. He doesn't. So if they want to trade him to Sacramento, trade him to Sacramento. <laughs> if they want to trade him to Memphis, trade him to Memphis. Or, or wherever they want to trade him, to the Pelicans. Uh, not the Knicks because they got Jalen Brunson, but uh, maybe trade him to the Miami Heat. You know, so I don't know. But why is Kyrie speaking up and telling him he only wants to play for the Lakers? And now it forces Sean Marks to say, you know, I just want to get rid of this guy. Let's send. Let, I'll send him to the Lakers. Give me three first round draft picks. I get him out of my hair. You know, so I, I don't know how this works, but. LeBron James is speaking out and saying what he feels, and now all of a sudden the leak hears that LeBron James is doing everything he can to get Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I don't see anything with the James Harden signing. No, it hasn't so happened. It's only, it's only all I see is he was working it's out with Sixers today. So maybe it's soon, maybe it's coming, but nothing official. Unless yet. Jeff knows something. Yeah. Je- but Jeff also Jeff- thought. Jeff also thought. Jeff also thought that Baker Mayfield was heading to Seattle because that's what his inside right, so source is. It might be like one of those other inside sources too. So we'll see. We'll see if he does end up getting signed. I still think he will, but nothing official yet. But yeah, in this in this case with the Lakers and the Nets, it's very tricky because they're both in the same boat with this big money and trying to make the big three work. Now the Lakers don't. Ha- Lakers still have some first round picks, unlike the Nets, but they still have a situation where they're going to have to try to make LeBron happy in order to keep him around too because he wants to go play with his son and that might not be with the Lakers and maybe they have to go either all in and make this kind of thing work with LeBron keeping him or they're going to have to maybe explore options where they could trade him to a spot where Kyrie wants to go because there's other there were other teams listed besides the Lakers but now Kyrie is only listing the Lakers so they're going to have to make that kind of thing work with draft picks every other years or other other players involved and they already said that they are not trading Anthony Davis for Kevin Durant so that kind of thing is out now Kevin Durant didn't specify he wanted to play for the Lakers too so that whole notion is probably gone as well so that'll make it harder and itself to make it work. Now, LeBron, as GM, we've seen it, him do it many times, has decimated teams sometimes. Cleveland was had a tough time rebuilding when he left initially. Miami, not to the same extent because of Pat Riley, but 
is that the, what the Lakers are worried about, or are they stuck too, in too big of a hole already where they just have to go for it is going to be the question. Are they going to cater to LeBron one more time is going to be a big thing they're going to have to watch, especially with his son coming into the league soon. First of all, we don't know if his son's coming into the league. Bronny, he has one more year left of high school. He's got to play one year of college or the G League. So everybody's got to stop with this. He wants to play with his son. We don't even know if his son's going to make the NBA. We just saw that the Lakers signed Shaquille O'Neal's son and Scottie Pippen's son. Are they ever going to play? They'll probably be in the G League for one or two years. Dwayne Wade signed, brought his son to the G League over there in Utah. Is he ever going to play on the Utah Jazz? Probably not. A lot of these second, you know, second-generation players, Michael Jordan's sons, they were supposed to be good. None of them made it to the NBA. Both of them. So I, I know a lot of people love, love to – See a story where, you know, uh, an ex-superstar player or a superstar player that's playing in the NBA, their sons are old enough to go into the NBA and play against their fathers. Gordy Howe did it with his sons. Was his, was his sons? Oh, I didn't even Mark know Mark and, um, no. I forget the other kid, the other guy's name. Mm. Mark and his other brother, they played together on the, Bla- on, on the Detroit, um, Red Wings. D- Detroit Red Wings. For, and I talked to Mark. Uh, he, and Mark wasn't anywhere close to as good as father, and neither was the other one. So... Again, it's a great story and it's something to talk about. But again, the possibilities of Bronny being in the NBA or even playing at the top of his game in the NBA is very slim. LeBron is a, a, a once in a generation type of player. Yeah, so, uh, Marty was the other one. Yeah, Marty. Marty Howe. And they both played with their father. Hmm. So, and again, those that's a great story. But the chances of right. that happen. Very slim, and I understand LeBron and who LeBron is and what LeBron, what whatever LeBron James says goes. It doesn't mean it goes because LeBron James says it to happen. Now he's telling the Lakers he's, they're going. That's something that he is forcing his hands because he knows that if he gets Kyrie Irving, they've won together, and this trio is probably better than the trio they had in Miami and better than the trio that they had in Cleveland. So they have a very good chance to knock off the Golden State Warriors or the. Um, the Phoenix Suns are one of the top teams in the uh, the West. So, again, if LeBron gets Kyrie Irving, he's, he's getting what he wants. The Clippers are going to be good, too. Uh, Kawhi Leonard coming back. Paul George at 100%. They might make a trade here or two. They did bring in, what's his name again? Uh, the point John guard Wall. from yep. John Wall. So they got a point guard who's elusive and, and very fast. So we'll see how that works over there. So there's a lot of things that could happen in the West this year. In the East... Right now, it's staying put. I, I mean, obviously, the Knicks got Jalen Brunson. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's all, not going to make a difference. On its own, it just makes them a play. I mean, Atlanta out. obviously added a, a nice Murray, piece, yeah. but that doesn't mean that they're going to jump everybody. It's, it's really the four top teams in the the East right now. Miami, uh, the Celtics, Milwaukee, and yeah. um, uh, the 76ers right now. That's uh, really what it is. Yes, Carl. Also, the, the Griffies. Yes, too. Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr. played in yeah. the same game. Yes, he did, they did. Uh, he also says Sam Darnold to Seattle for a fourth rounder. Yeah, that, could happen. That could happen, definitely. Uh, Snug says, Snug says three years, $109 million to the Sacramento Kings. He's not going to want to stay in Sacramento, Snug. I'd love to find him with the Kyrie. Could you imagine the stories? Yes, he'll probably try to tweet in anti-gravity and then uh, not happen it. Uh, Carl says Donovan Mitchell ate dinner in Utah last night. He's trying to be funny. 
Yes. Snug says he would be welcome in Sacramento. We'd like to get real weird with it. Uh, Carl says, told you Jeff was listening to Josh's sources on Baker. Ha ha. And then uh, Carl also says he got to uh, Doc Gooden was down here to help out with this local sports shop. Uh, we also got to meet Doc Gooden last year, too. Yep. And I met his uh, his his girlfriend. His girlfriend's sweet. And, yes. and Doc was really, really cool. We, we we both hosted an event over here uh, at the golf a golf tournament for uh, New York Sports Team Magazine. He was very generous, and I had the opportunity to have a good conversation with Doc, and he's a very nice guy, yes, really, yes. For all the stuff that he has been through over the years with his mother and his drug problems, a very, very nice guy, and, and definitely somebody that if you've never met Doc Gooden or had an opportunity to speak to, uh, it, it's definitely worth having the opportunity to meet him if, mm-hmm. if you ever get a chance. If he comes down anywhere around your area, Get a chance to meet Doc Gooden. Um, what does he say? Josh, I take more, I take Josh says three. best sources around. Carl says on the Long Island Express, and then Josh says I take the Northern States. You guys are idiots. <laughs> I, I do want to get into baseball before our guest and um, the New York Mets. Obviously, getting healthy. Max Scherzer came back the other day, had eleven strikeouts, even though in a loss. And I know Josh and a lot of Mets fans are ready to start jumping off a plank. Because the Mets are not beating the teams that they should beat. Uh, they've had problems with Cincinnati over the last couple of weeks. They've had some problems uh, with some of the other teams, uh, some of the worst teams in the National League. But again, yes, the Braves are a team trailing right behind the Mets. I still think the Mets could win the division. With Jacob DeGrom on his way back, looks really, really good in in, 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 uh, in AAA. And even Max Scherzer coming, coming up. And by the way, shout out to Max Scherzer. Uh, taking... Um, Taking out the guys from AAA out to dinner, spending a lot of money on a dinner mm-hmm. and seven thousand dollars in iPads or something like that or yeah. iPods. Uh, all the time, the minor league players don't get that money because the well, they just got a new CPA, didn't they? Yeah, better, but it's still not great. How much are they making now a year? Hundred thousand? I think that's the minimum, but it's still not. Again, it's still not great. So Max Scherzer's whatever what they're giving it was definitely a big boost for them. Yes, yeah, so definitely shout out to him. Uh, Carl also says, "Did you see guys? Yes, I did. Uh, Chris Sale go crazy in the hallway locker room. Yeah, he for was what? frustrated." Uh, one of his minor league minor league rehab starts, he was frustrated about I think something with the control his control or something like that, and he it went ballistic. Yeah, uh, Slug says I take the one to ten back to the one hundred five. I jump off at Crenshaw and tell my homies look alive, <laughs> whatever so that means. But yeah, Matt, yeah, Max Scherzer treated him like a king. I <laughs> understand the Mets are not hitting in the last I think two yeah, weeks. Yeah, they're really struggling. They're hitting like one ninety or mm. one ninety five, which. It, it, it's definitely something to be concerned about. We've seen them in, in the month of June. They're not very good months for the New York Mets. And over the, the last 10 years, they have really started to fall apart in the month of June and July. Now, does that mean that this team is going to fall apart? I doubt it. I think the Mets are a talented team offensively. Their lineup is very good. Pete Alonso leads, I think, the National League still in RBIs. Yep. Uh, Lindor is starting to hit the ball. Uh, now, Nimmo hasn't been hitting the ball very well. And, and certain players on this, on this roster who were hitting the ball early in the season are not hitting the ball right now. But I, th- I still think you... You know, hitters get into these slumps. We've seen this before. The Yankees in the beginning of the season were in a slump, and then they started to get hot. I mean, the only person that was hitting was Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo was the only person hitting in the first 10 or 11 games for the Yankees. Then they all got hot, except Gallo. Now Gallo's starting to hit, but uh, what does that mean? (laughs) He hit against the Pirates, big whoop. (laughs) I'm just saying. He hit today, too. But... 
I, I, again, when, when when you look at the Mets, I, I I mean, Speedy, you're a Mets fan. What what do you what do you see? What is the problem with the Mets right now? What is the problem with their lineup right now? Yeah, they're just not all, too guy too many guys that were overperforming just in a slump all at once. Now, again, some of it is good pitching staffs. The Astros are good pitching staff. Miami, understandable. I would I wouldn't be badly overreacting to the performance against the Reds. Yes, they were keeping them too close for a team that's the worst record in baseball right now. But they still took two out of three of those games. Had a big comeback yesterday. Five runs in the tenth inning after they tied in the ninth on a very weird call. But nevertheless, yeah, they're struggling more than usual in games they should be dominating. They took two out of three from Texas, but some of those games were close, too. So a lot of Mets fans are overreacting to the fact that, yeah, they're just not hitting right now outside of Alonzo. And it's just all all of them are in a slump all at once. That might be a good thing, though, in terms of there's an all-star break coming up, and they might all get hot all at once, too. Baseball players are more streaky than any other sport just because of the sample size of the season. Now, you hope that that kind of thing doesn't lead to a regression for certain players where certain hot starts are a fluke. And But it doesn't seem that, like that's going to happen with the depth that the Mets have. They just got to hope that they're not six flukes on the team, maybe only two, or maybe only just a guy that had a hot stretch to start the season. So they'll need to come on a, some kind of spark. It is interesting it. right now where you look at the Mets and the Braves are two and a half go- games behind the Mets. Yeah. And, and you're worried that if the Braves catch up before the All-Star break, they take over first place and the Mets are never going to be able to catch up every single year. This seems to happen. Not with, just with the Braves. We've seen it over the years with the Nationals. The Mets are always start off strong and fall apart in the second half or early before the All-Star break. The Phillies twice, too. 7 I think when you look at the Mets right now, and, and their pitching is going to get healthy, I, I don't like what Bassett said, saying to telling uh, you know uh, the reporter today that the, the MLB should stop giving COVID tests. I think that's completely wrong. Uh, you know, this is the way sports is going, and, and with, with COVID now starting to outbreak again and spread, uh, they're trying to protect the players and pr- trying to protect the fans. So I understand why the MLB is doing it. And it's crazy how two years ago, they, at social distancing, now, uh, you know, COVID's still going on and killing people. People are, are not wearing masks anymore, doing whatever they want, and they don't even get their shot. They haven't even, some of these people haven't even gotten their shots. So I, I don't understand that, but I think they're getting, the Mets are getting stronger at the right time. Before the All-Star break, they're going to have Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, and Bassett back. you got your three-headed monster, your rotation where you expected to, to really be a dominant force in the beginning of the season. The Mets were supposed to be the Yankees when it came to the rotation this year. The Yankees were supposed to be mediocre. Now, right, right. now, it, it's, it's the Yankees that are dominant pitching staff right now in the majors. And the Mets are mediocre. So yeah, Patching things together. Yeah, so it, it's going to be... And, and that's baseball, guys. And we've seen this... All the time. And what is it? What is he saying? Out of here? What, what is going on? Oh, Carl says, uh, go trade for Kimbrell. Uh, no, I do not want that. I agree with Josh on that one. I do not want another guy that's only a closer. The, the Mets need a couple relief pitchers that are more versatile guys, not a pure closer. They need relief pitching. It's yeah. been a weakness. No, they need, they need, yeah. they need t- probably two relief pitchers in my, my- They should have never traded Castro. They should have never. I know. Is Castro having a great season with the Yankees? He's all Up right. Up and down. It's all right, but Castro's a, a strong arm in that in that you know bullpen that could absolutely help them in a sixth and seventh inning, which the Mets have had problems in. Yeah. So especially with the rotation not 100 percent. Now that Max Scherzer's back, he can pitch seven innings. You don't have to really depend on your bullpen when Degrom and Scherzer are in. Now Bassett. Over the last couple of weeks, Bassett's on the mound. He can't get out of the fifth inning. 
Right. And that's a huge problem. I still think Bassett is a, is a very good pitcher, and I, I think he's a guy that they brought in that can really eat up innings, and that's something very, very important, especially how, ba- how bad their bullpen has been for the last three weeks. Well, yeah, and I, that's why I'm saying I don't really want a Kimbrell-type guy. I want a guy that could, I want multiple guys that could pitch in different roles. They don't have to be flashy. They don't have to have these super great ERA, super great stuff. I don't really care about that because the Mets have those top guys already with Smith and with Diaz, the way they've both pitched this year. And there's going to be other guys that are going to emerge within that. Hopefully... The problem with the Mets is they just don't have enough of those bounce-back candidates that they were expecting of what they built two years ago, and that's a big problem. Uh, Carl says the Cubs have a couple of bullpen arms. Uh, There's a lot of teams with a lot of bullpen arms. Yes, and that's what I'm talking about, the guys that are breaking out this year because it's a very fluky position. Uh, Josh says Castro sucks, too inconsistent, drove me nuts. Nobody said Castro's a superstar relief pitcher, but he's better than some of the guys the Mets have. Sure. And that, that's the thing. It's, it's just a fluky thing. That's why I don't want them to overspend for a relief pitcher. That's why I don't. I, somebody like Kimbrell, who's a big name, is going to be a lot more pricey. How about we, I don't know, want to have to deal with the Dodgers either. How about we uh, bring in Andre the Giant? What do you think about I'm that? I'm fine with that. Princess Bride legend, Andre the Giant. I mean, I don't know if he can hold a ball, and the ball's like probably, his hands are probably eight times as big as the ball. Could you imagine Andre Giant trying to throw <laughs> a baseball? Could you imagine that? Hey, he threw other things in the Princess Bride, including people. So I'll well, take that. But that's different. <laughs> throwing a person and throwing a baseball. <laughs> I, I don't have the wrestling metro. I don't have the re- refer- wrestling references. I mean, for Nate, that. The, his I hands were the huge. Bride, I know his hands were the size of this computer. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> like twenty-four inches. I mean, he had big hands. You're talking about he had big feet, but they said his hands were massive. I remember reading stories about Hulk Hogan, even Macho Man, saying how big uh, Andre the Giant's hands were. So it, it's it's pretty crazy, but. Uh, again, I, I don't know why the Mets fans are, are jumping off a cliff right now. I think uh, their rotation is going to be back to normal. I think they'll, you know, they're going to spend some money at the trade deadline. They're going to bring in some relief pitchers, maybe another bat. Uh, I expect them to make a splash. Out of all the teams that we're talking about, I expect Steve, Uncle Stevie to bring out his checkbook and do whatever he can to make a trade and bring in a, a, a player uh, that's going to really spark the eyes of the New York Mets fans. I, I believe they it. were mentioning yesterday to go after something that could be a, with the DH positioning too. But Nelson, we I'm, heard about yeah, that. I'm not. I, I'm not worried about that. I would focus more on the pitching aspect of it. Uh, Carl, I'm looking at the Cubs right now. They have a couple couple guys maybe that are youngsters and maybe a, a veteran guy if they want to make a playoff run like a Wade Miley could be an interesting one too. Two point eight four ERA, a lefty guy that had some good playoff success with the Brewers. Maybe that's an option for the Mets as a small scale type trade. Maybe, but the Cubs they don't have a lot to offer beyond that because you're not you got you guys aren't trading Keegan Thompson. And what does this mean with the Braves? The Braves aren't 100 percent healthy either. No, and Albies will be back by the second half of the season. Some people say mm-hmm. could miss maybe the first two or three weeks after the All-Star no, he'll break. probably be back in August. So when he gets back, I, I mean, Albies was the best second baseman in baseball. I last think so. Year. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, offensively, he was dominant, and one of the reasons why they 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 won the World Series was really what Albies did in the second half of the season, and and really helped out offensively and defensively. One of the best defensive players at his position. I, yeah, so I, love I, I I think with Acuna. Uh, slowly but surely getting at almost 100%. And really this rotation, the Braves rotation, which everybody thought, uh, this rotation's horrible, they started off slow, as well as they started off slow last year. And then as the season progressively was longer, that that rotation got better and better and better. It's It's been a lot quicker this year. Mm-hmm. It's, it's slowly this rotation, and they have a great bullpen. 
They really do. Uh, they brought in the Dodgers closer in the offseason, yep. uh, who's been very important to them in the bullpen. And that really their sixth, seventh, and eighth inning pitchers have really filled in nicely. So why the Braves have been so dominant is timely hitting uh, the way they've in the last couple of weeks uh, and just – Absolutely dominating from the bullpen. Yep. They've been absolutely sensational. Pitching depth is what wins in today's baseball, and the Braves have a lot of it still. Spencer Strider is a young kid, rookie, 2.6 ERA, 102 strikeouts for them this year. they still got Freed. Kyle Wright's been very good for them. And, yeah, that bullpen's got a lot of depth. A.J. Minter, 1.8 ERA. Will Smith's still pitching well for them. they mm-hmm. got they got a lot of good guys. They're, they just, their relief rotation. They just got Tyler Matzik back, who was a, big part of their, yeah, there was a big part of their World Series run last year. So, yeah, the Mets definitely have to t- not taken lightly. Uh, uh, Josh says they do need but a that's DH. that's why Mets are afraid. That's why the Mets fans are afraid, because of what the Braves did last year in the second half and dominated the way they did. And and remember, that trade at the trade deadline, those three trades, yeah, really changed yeah. everything for mm-hmm. them, especially with Rosario. By the way, Rosario's out for the season. I, I mean, No, they think he might come back in the second half. Really? I yeah. thought he was out for the season. But yep. if he comes back in the second half, you're adding another bat to that lineup that is really, really hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay. I know they have the worst DH statistic. Yes, because Dominic Smith was, was sent down and the J.D. Davis isn't hitting lefties this year. I understand that, Josh. I'm just saying I'd rather them trade for pitching. I don't mind them trading for a DH, too. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying I'd rather have them get more bullpen depth because I think they have the talent on the on the roster when they're all – healthy and good to make it work. Uh, other than Alonzo, they have no power threat to get Bell or Mancini. Two relievers in a DH spot. Yes, I'm just saying I'd rather have the two relievers first. Make sure you prioritize the two relievers. I would say over the DH. Don't spend the assets on just the DH and get nothing with the relievers, is what I'm saying. I would rather get the pitching depth because of the way that... Oh, he came back today. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, Rosario came, Rosario back, came today? back today. Okay. Wow. I didn't even think Rosario I, was coming back. I thought he was going to come back after the All-Star break. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't even know that. That just shows you how much I keep in touch with the Braves, well, but yeah, I remember. Braves in the, I remember. It doesn't matter if I'm a Braves fan. No, it's I, fine. I, I do check out some of these teams and I see what they're doing. Some of the players and where they are. But I thought Rosario was out for the whole season. I, I didn't think he was coming back. I, I, I heard it was a significant injury, and he might not show. He might not be back this year. So uh, the Braves getting Rosario back, and really offensively, when Albies comes back, this team is just going to get better and better. Oh, and yeah. and and again, their rotation. Uh, over the last couple of years, didn't start off very strong and ended very, very strong. And and I think they need to add another pitcher to that rotation. We, we talk about with their – the Braves have a very good farm system, mm-hmm. very good farm system. And I wouldn't be surprised – everybody keeps talking about Luis Castilla. I wouldn't be surprised if they're interested in making a move for Luis Castilla. There are multiple teams that will be interested in a guy that good. Who, who you could put into your rotation, put him right into that rotation where he could be your second or third starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snuck says, Speedy, if the Mets just make the World Series, will you wear a Mr. Met costume in studio? Hmm. I'll consider it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you on that one, Snook. But not a the bad tattoo's option. enough. Go on with that. Yeah, but you're going back to the Braves' bats, though, they, their bats are all waking up now, too. Swanson's now hitting 14 home runs, 49 RBIs, almost 300. Matt Olson's I mean, finally getting Swanson's it going. Swanson's a great player. I, yeah, I agree. I, I was the one that three years ago was saying, no, don't give up on him. All the Braves fans wanted to trade him. And, uh, Didn't Travis- they trade with... They got Swanson from Arizona. From, for Shelby Miller, of all people. Yeah, that was a, a god-awful trade for Arizona at the time. I remember that. One of the biggest fleecings I ever remember. Riley, but Riley, 271, 21, 51. Ozuna, who they didn't have last year either. Remember, he was suspended, too. 
batting average is low, but that was never his guy. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know, but he's 17 home runs, so he's still definitely useful on that no, team. Useful? He's a great player. I just don't like no, him. No, no, no one likes him off the field for what he's doing. Uh, yes, Josh Swanson will end up getting paid. Yes, he will. Absolutely. The way the shortstop market is, it's a very valuable position for a baseball that values really the versatile, the good, young, and versatile infielders, and Swanson is definitely in that, and his glove is amazing, too. Yes, yeah, free agent. And the Dodgers, uh, we expected this. They're getting hot, and that lineup is as dominant of a lineup as, as you're going to find in a league. I mean, besides the Yankees, I mean, the Dodgers are amongst the league's best in every single, you know, percentages, average, and everything like that. So uh, they're they're fantastic. They really are. But the National League is right there, and I expect the National League to be very, very close. The Cardinals will be sticking close to the, the Brewers to try to fight in the second half for that division. Uh, the Braves... Philadelphia has gotten hot. Ever since Joe Girardi has been gone, this this team is starting to wake up. The question is, do they have enough pitching? Though? No, they're, it's their bullpen. That's a yeah, big problem. But always Philadelphia be. <laughs> has money. They have a very rich owner. And if Philadelphia wants to stay in it, they're going to have to make moves. I, the other team that I think is going to be a, a tough one, to, they've been struggling right now, is still the Padres because they have a lot of pitching, though, too. Outside of Snell, everyone else has been great in that rotation, too, and their bullpen is deep. They just need a couple guys to get going hitting-wise, kind of like the Mets are going right now. They had problems in the beginning of the season hitting-wise, and now they're finally getting it going. And Tatis started to work out again. He'll probably be back in August as well, maybe even the end of July as well, which will give a big boost to that lineup, too. Will they catch the Dodgers? Probably not, but it definitely creates a good playoff identity for a rivalry game in the playoffs. Anything can happen. As far as the American League is concerned, especially in the American League East, the Red Sox and the Yankees are playing in this uh, this series. The Yankees have a 14-game lead over the Red Sox and everybody else in the division. Yep. It would be a catastrophic uh, you know, collapse, ca- collapse yeah. breakdown for the New York Yankees, for the Yankees not to win this division and, and possibly be the number one seed in the American League. It, it's, it's that dominant in the way the Yankees are hitting the ball. The questions I have with the Yankees, really, is is this rotation. Is this rotation going to hold up throughout the season? Are they going to get tired before the end of the season? And then they're going to have to worry about who's starting where, who's going to be where, and, and what's going to be. We all know Garrett Cole is going to be their number one guy. But who's number two, who's number three, and who's number four if you're going to start four guys in a seven-game series? So... Uh, Luis Severino's had a good season. What are you going to do with Luis Severino next year when he's a free agent? You finally get him back, and now you're, you're, you're deciding on, do we keep Aaron Judge or do we keep Luis Severino? Is he going to be cheaper than Aaron Judge? Do we bring Luis back and lose Aaron Judge to free agency? It's going to be an interesting offseason for the New York Yankees. But right now, if you're a Yankee fan, you should be very happy. 59-23, 720, they have a chance to knock off the Red Sox. They're up 6-5 in the ninth inning with one out. I mean, they have their number one guy, the guy that's been as dominant of a pitcher since Mariano Rivera and Holmes. So you expect the Yankees to win this game and close it out. But it's just, to me, uh, what scares me about this and the way the Yankees are playing is is it's all about the playoffs. And as good as the Yankees have looked on paper, is this team built to win? In, in, in a seven-game series in the playoffs. I don't know. And I and, and they're a power-hitting team. They've been a power-hitting team all season, all season last year. Now they, they have – they lead the league in home runs, I think, by I, I think by a little bit of a margin. A little bit, yeah. The Twins are right there with them. And so are the Brewers. Yeah, so – but uh, their batting average has gone up. And 
Uh, they're a good defensive team, which is surprising. That's not the yep. Yankees, you know, the thing. They, they have a pretty good uh, defensive infield, especially bringing kind of a Lefa, a Falefa. So, and, and they're, you know, the catching to Char- um, Trevino. Tre- Trevino has been very, very good from Texas, who actually is probably going to make the All-Star team. Yeah, he's probably going to be the second guy in, that, in the American League All-Star. The Blue Jays, Alejandro Kirk, Fantastic. having a great year. He's going to be the starter, but he's going to be right behind him for a guy that was a backup catcher in Texas for a while and really never got it going offensively the way he's done for the Yankees hitting 250, seven home runs, 26 RBI so far this year, and has always been a pretty good defensive catcher as well, which has also helped this pitching staff a lot too. Because we saw Gary Sanchez, he was more of the offensive type catcher who did not play defense at all and was kind of iffy working with the pitchers. And Garrett Cole, I know Garrett Cole likes Higashioka, but Trevino has helped a lot of these other guys. This really guy Holmes has been level. unbelievable. Unbelievable. He really has been. Yeah. I mean, the crowd's going wild. It's three and two. He hasn't really walked the play. I think he's walked one player in the last 15 games. Of something like that, and uh, he strikes this guy out. He has five walks the whole year. It's unbelievable. strikeouts. It's unbelievable. I, I mean, he's as, as dominant of a, a closer we've seen in a long time, and he's the closer. You cannot give the closing position back to Chapman when he comes back. This, is, this guy's the guy. But this is a guy, too, that can also pitch in other spots, too. And the analytics of the, of the game now, the way baseball works in the postseason now, you have those guys coming in earlier and getting those key outs, which has been a problem for the Yankees at certain, in certain series. Oh, Rob Ren, uh, Ref Schneider. He's, he was a nice he's actually played. Prospect. He's actually played pretty good for the Red Sox this year. Yankee prospect. Yeah. I remember uh, Ref Schneider. Yeah, moved all around. He was a corner outfielder. Then they moved around in the infield. I remember, yeah, I remember him, too. And he's actually been okay for the Red Been pretty good for the Red Sox this year. But going back to the Yankees. Game's over. There we go. Yankees yep. win. Yankees. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Ah. That is a much more enthusiastic one than, like the, that ra- one? than the radio call. Yes. You like uh, that one? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Very good. There you go. But going back to the Yankees playoff identity, I think it'll depend on one thing, and that's reducing the strikeouts. I think in terms of stringing hits together, they've done better at it at certain points this year. And they're going to hit home runs. Like you were saying, they still lead the league in home runs. But if they can reduce the strikeouts in terms of getting more quality at bats against better pitching staffs consistently, that's going to do it. Now, granted, the American League playoff teams right now, none of them have great pitching staffs outside of the Rays and probably the Astros right now. But the Blue Jays definitely have pitchers that are capable of doing it. The Red Sox, if they find something with their pitching, and then the American League Central teams will see. And I don't think the Rays are this bad. Uh, No. I know they've had a bad season. They just had a hitting slump. And they're starting rotation has not really been good, except the one guy who has been unbelievable, who was a Cy Young candidate. The last couple of starts have not been as good, but I, I think the Rays are much better, and and the and the Blue Jays are much better than. Yeah, the they just need some level of of depth with their pitching. It's unbelievable how the Yankees have just been. They're fourteen games ahead of all every single team in this division. It's it's and this is the best division in baseball. Mm-hmm. It's by far the best division in baseball. Baseball. Look. If you look at all the other divisions, the Twins division, you have the Guardians, who are 40 and 40, who are in second place. The White Sox, who should be much better than this, yeah. 39 and 41. They'll get better. The Tigers that are 34 and 47. The About Royals, 30 and 51. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Astros, 54 and 28. Uh, the Mariners, 41 and 21. Yeah. Rangers, 37 and 43. 38 and 45 for the Angels, who should have been a lot better. Mm. They have two all, uh, MVPs on their team. Yeah. I don't know how you're not winning. <sighs> and then you have the Athletics, 28 and 56. I mean, you look at the Yankees, this division. 
Even the Orioles are 39 and Yeah, they've actually played very well this year, the Orioles, for their standards. The Yankees pitching are pitching really well, yeah. The Yankees are 59 and 23. The Red Sox are 45 and 37. Rays, 45 and 37. And the Blue Jays, 45 and 38. Mm-hmm. 38. You have three teams right now in that division that have better records than any other team besides the first-place teams in the other two divisions. The National League West is probably the only one that's been remotely competitive this year in terms of the Diamondbacks and Rockies have actually played better than expected, but they're still not not great either. And then the the top three teams are still very strong. The Giants are down from where they were last year, which everyone expected. They were only expected to win 107 games again, but they're still pretty good. The other divisions are all very top-heavy. The NL Central, the same kind of thing. The Reds are awful. The Cubs are awful. The Pirates are actually, like the Orioles, kind of overperforming in a way. And then the NL East is the same kind of thing. The National are awful too. The Phillies and Braves are still going to be good. The Braves I expect to be good the whole season. The Phillies will see. They're kind of where they are at this point. But yeah, the NL, the AL East is going to be that. Uh, Josh says all four of the East teams are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, that seems to be the rate. I've been saying that. I said that before the season even started. Yes, you did. I remember that. If anybody remembers what I said, I said that the Yankees division, the AF, the, um, I say the AFC, but (laughs) the American League East has been the is the best division in all of baseball as the most talent by far. And I said all three teams, whoever wins the division is going to win the division and three, three teams are going to win the wild card, get the wild card spots. So and I think that's going to happen. Looks that looks that way right now because there's just no other depth. De- By the, the way, Jeff said Jeff in the beginning of the season said I was on drugs. So, so yeah. if it happens, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell him I told him so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's really not that close right now with the rest of the wild card races too. Seattle's talented enough where they could get there, but they had a bad slump in May and that hindered them. <laughs> I don't know. The White Sox should be better too. <laughs> Josh says someone just chuck out John Sterling. He thinks the game is tied. Probably yeah. doesn't. Probably Shout does. out to John Sterling because. He, he took a break. Uh, he he took. A, I think he's taking a little bit of a break, and he'll be back. You know, I, unless he took his break already, because I I don't really listen to baseball on the radio and, anymore because I don't I don't well, drive as much. Services, yeah. Well, no, I just don't listen to it on WFAN anymore. So uh, when he, I did hear that John Sterling was going to take a couple of weeks off. Uh, when the Yankees went on, you know, went on, you know, went on away or went on tour away, but uh, long road trips. Yeah, whatever. I but. Uh, I I respect John Sterling. He's been doing it a long time, and he's been the fa- he's been the voice and really the face of Yankees uh, radio baseball. So, uh, shout out to John Sterling. I think he's a great, great. Uh, and by the way, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. So, mm-hmm. and the other problem too with going back to the American League wildcard races, these other fringe teams are not beating up on the bad teams the way they should. In the National League, they're doing that. There's no, there's really no surprises in the National League right now. Everyone that's supposed to be bad or rebuilding is bad in rebuilding. Yes, the Pirates probably weren't supposed to be better than the Reds, okay, but everyone else is about the same. The American League, it's not like that. Everyone's kind of stuck in that 34 through 40 win range, and teams like the White Sox are not beating up on their division. Teams like the Mariners, who should be better, are not beating up on their division. And all of a sudden, you have a team like the Orioles that are all of a sudden right there that shouldn't be 39 and 44, but yet the bad teams in that division, probably outside of the Yankees, who strangely struggle with the Orioles, aren't beating up, aren't beating up on the same way. Where you have three 45 win teams right now. Toronto's probably the most talented of those three, but the Rays are a well oiled machine. The Red Sox are always pesky if they get in, for sure. So it's a little bit tough out. I, I think the American League is going to be very interesting in the second half of the season. I, I do, and 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 the reason why is because it's it's not because of the the American League Central and the American League West. It's because of the American League East. Because I I still, even though I see the Yankees have a a huge lead against these teams, 
I, I see the Red Sox sale coming back. Uh, Paxson will be in that rotation in the second half. The Rays are going to get better. I don't expect – and the Blue Jays, they're too talented yeah. to be as bad as they have been in the last couple of weeks. They're 4-6 and six in the last 10 games. I expect the, the Blue Jays to pick up the pace. I, I think they're going to get hot. And the Yankees are not going to win every single series. I think the Yankees have lost two series in the last, I think – 15 of them. I, wow. I mean, it's been unbelievable. The Yankees have been on a, a hot streak, and they've been dominant. But I don't know if it's going to be like this. Right now, the way the Yankees are going, they could win 120 games. Mm-hmm. Right now, 175 run differential right now for the Yankees. The next highest is Houston in plus 93. That is insane. And even in the National League, too. The Dodgers are the only one with a By the close way, run differential. Houston's the so. second best team in baseball. Right. They have the second best record. And the Dodgers are the only one closer than the run differential like that in the National League, 144 to the Yankees, 175. The, the Astros are 93, and it looks like the next highest is is the Mets, 74. So that says a lot about the just the domination of it. There's real outside of the White Sox being down, there's really no surprises. You know, this nobody's year. talking about this, and and, and Justin Verlander is going to be a Cy Young candidate yeah. this year. Uh-huh. Coming back from uh, obviously uh, the eight, the uh, the what is it? Tommy what, Johnson, well, right? what, what do they call that? The UCL UCL surgery that he came back from. And nobody thought he was going to be as dominant as he as he was before it. And and right now his WAR is at two point five, which is ridiculous. Insane, yeah. And he's ten and three with a two point oh three ERA, and his WHIP is almost at one. Okay, it's, it's ridiculous. Just when you think Verlander is done, it I, seems that's like why he the Yankees. Rebirths that's himself. why the Yankees were going heavily after him in the offseason. Makes sense. Yeah. They were. Uh-huh. They were going heavily after him. He just wanted to go back to the Astros. The Astros give him, I think, the multiple deal, which right. some, the Yankees only wanted to give him one year. Right. And again, for somebody that seemed like he was done after 2014, he had all those bad years at the end. One of, of the greatest pitches of our era. Rebirth in 2017. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Rebirth in 2017, though, with the Astros, the way he did and has pitched well since he's gotten to Houston. Then he had a surgery like this again. How would he come back? No, he's doing just fine and doing well. If uh, Var- Verlander continues, continues doing this, he might. A lot of people don't think that anybody's going to actually have 300 wins again since CC right, Sabathia. Yeah. He's uh, at 236. I. I think Verlander. Yeah, that's going to take probably uh, five more years. Four or five more years. Five more years. We'll see. It's, it's possible. It's, Why not? It's, 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 the way he's pitching now? It's probably like a 25% chance, but it's 17 possible. years? I think he could pitch 22 years. We'll see. Why not? Uh, Jeff says Scherzer over Verlander right now. Yeah, probably not all time. Probably Verlander all time is probably a little better. You would take Scherzer right now over Justin Verlander? I don't know about that. I, I think. Now, I like Scherzer. I think Scherzer's a great player, but statistical advantage is Verlander's stuff advantage is Scherzer, so judge that accordingly. I don't know about that. Um, I, why, why? What do you mean? I, I mean his pitching stuff is what I'm saying. Not not his numbers. Verlander's numbers are definitely better this season. Uh, Jeff's also saying Jordan Alvarez is better than Judge. Is right now his OPS is ahead of Judge's and his batting average. Judge leads in home runs and RBIs over Alvarez and plays a center field, which Alvarez is just. If you look at it right now, pitch. who's uh, who's up in the MVP voting? It's Aaron Judge. It's, I mean, yeah. It's re- now, I'm not saying Alvarez can't win. No. I mean, but right now, if you were to ask anybody who who's in a lead for that uh, that MVP, it's Aaron Judge. And if Aaron Judge gets and he breaks Roger Maris' home run record, mm-hmm. he's winning the MVP. Yep. He's winning the MVP. Because Aaron Judge is not far off in the open. I know you don't want to see it because he's a Yankee. <laughs> and that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. But th- that's what he's trying to say. He always, he always tries to shoot down anybody in New York sports. Always. 
He doesn't. He doesn't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. He's advocating for an Astro. Who they have. Uh, they have some ties against the Red Sox too. Not the Yankees rivalry. No, he but... he hates the Yankees. Why don't you push for? Why don't you push for one of the Angels guys or Jose Ramirez or something like that? Why are you pushing for Alvarez? Like somebody else that's in no. The... He just hates the Yankees. He doesn't <laughs> want to see a Yankee win MVP. Well, yeah, of course. But the way it looks like it right now, it looks like it's Aaron Judge because he doesn't have a flaw. <laughs> like he doesn't have, like Alvarez is a DH that'll hold him back on the way the writers view it. DH. It's very hard. Aaron Judge has a better war, too. Yeah. He's a better defensive player. Yeah, he's a way better defensive player. He's playing good center field this year. Alvarez is a first baseman who's mostly a DH. That's gonna hold, they're going to hold and that by against the way, him. Aaron same Judge, way they did to J.D. Martinez. Aaron Judge has almost 50 more at-bats, and his batting average is 287 to his 313. If you, really, if you look at the math over there, Aaron Judge has had a better hitting season. Yeah, Aaron Judge, more 30 home runs, 64 RBIs. Uh, Alvarez walked two times more, but I think the defense also adds value in terms of the run, in terms of the run saves. In Seven stolen bases scored. to yeah. zero stolen right. bases for Alvarez. I mean, all the numbers. You have to look at all the numbers. I know, I know what he's doing, and I know he's calling up the show, and I know he's going to say something that's going to be attacking something with New York sports. So go ahead. Jeff, what's going on, man? I'm not attacking New York sports. I'm just telling you the fact that Aaron Judge has a better war than Jordan Alvarez doesn't matter. Really? You say war is an important statistic, do you not? Well, well, no, I'm just making the argument that you made of when Otani had a much better war than than Guerrero. Yeah. You said war doesn't matter. I don't I don't so think it matters. You but you do matter, you always thought you're saying, no. "Oh, really?" Well, hold matter. on one second, Jeff. I may I said war because you said something about Alvarez is better having a better season than Aaron Judge. No, so I a took a season. shot at you bringing up season. war. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. No, no, Jordan Alvarez is not having a better season, but he has been the best hitter in Major League Baseball since June. Yeah, no question. He won. He won the. Uh, he was Player of the Month. So yeah. But, but I also okay. don't want to hear. Oh, Judge has a better war because. You told me I only said that, that I only bad. said that to jump at you. That's the only reason why I said it. And there you go trying to flip it like you said this. I did it to attack you. I was being a smart ass, <laughs> just like you. I'm not being a, I'm not being You're a always a smart ass. I think war matters. I find it funny that, that it's I only said it. War matters. I don't think war matters. I think it's a, a statistic a statistic that was brought into baseball 12 years ago, 10 years ago, and to me, I, I never really was looked at as a statistic and now all of a sudden it is. So, uh, again, I think war matters because it measures where you are. It because it, it's the same across the board. They're measuring every player, so every player comes has a war. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it shows where you measure against your contemporaries. So it, I think your it team is value stat. in all aspects, yeah. Right. It is an important stat. Yes. Just because some stats are new or newer or whatever. I just don't like the new stats. And I, who do we have on the show we were talking about? Ryan Spader. Yeah. Ryan Spader. Yeah. And even Spader, who is a statistician, said that a lot of these, like the war. The manager is overblown. He, they, he yeah. says it's overblown and it, it, these statistics don't make any sense on some of the ways they try to express it or explain it in whole. So, and I agree with them. I, I think the way we looked at baseball in the, <clears throat> the years before that, I mean, you look at RBIs, you look at, Obviously, hits and at bats and all that other stuff, and and batting average is now batting average is obsolete. People don't care about batting average. It's oh, not yeah. really OPS a, is the primary. Yeah, on base that, percentage. Yeah. Which, by the way, Aaron Judge's on base percentage is better. Yeah, but if all these if all these new stats didn't matter and they meant nothing, the Tampa Bay Rays would not exist. Really, 
Oh, yeah. Right? The Tampa right. Bay Rays have been good because they've applied these new stats and mm-hmm. to Easily. evaluate players and stay relevant. Yep. And if more, more franchises like Oakland, Pittsburgh – uh, teams like that. By the way, Pittsburgh might have the best young player in baseball. I love O'Neill Cruz. Yeah, he's looked but, good so far. Yes, right. But if but if more teams applied it the way the Rays have been applying it, maybe they'd be relevant too. Well, some big market teams have done that, and that, that's helped them keep, keep players even when they trade them, too. And that's why it still might be hard for those types of teams to win. But the Rays have done it like no other, and they've done well, even though they haven't won a World Series. They've done well in the playoffs, too. I never got a chance to see O'Neill Cruz yet, but I'm I, I mean, looking at his numbers. Is, it, is he really having a great season? Dude, he, dude, he hit a home run the other night. I understand, but he has three home runs, and he's batting 200. I mean, yeah, but he's he's a, a I know a, like a rookie player. player coming yes. up. He's a six seven shortstop. Yeah, he's huge. See, like a, he's huge. Yeah, he's super tall. I mean, he's there's you can see it when he plays. Like, there's something to be excited about. Is it is it like translating in the numbers? No. Not really, but like, if you put, I think if you put him on any other team and sure. he had maybe a little bit of help and a little bit of protection, like a lot of these other also guys. Also, a different do, park, too. That park is huge, PNC. Right. And, you know, I mean, I think the situation matters, but like, there's something there. He's playing good defense. Oh, I'm not saying that he isn't. I'm just looking at his numbers right now, and I, best player in baseball, I don't know about that, but uh, he's having a. He, he, well, I, I didn't say best player in baseball. No, no you said young, young, young players, young. like one of the like you All know right. one of the young kids. Yeah, I mean right. the best For, young guy probably is still Wander Franco. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yes, he's having a good season too. But, but there's uh, something to be excited about with O'Neill Cruz, I think. Oh, absolutely, uh, Josh. I never yes. got a, I never got a chance to watch him play, so I I don't know. Yes, Josh, I had that wrong. He's played 32 games in the outfield. He's not playing first base this year. Yeah, that, that's right. I forgot I forgot about Gurriel coming back as well. Uh, and then, uh, Jeff, your comment. Roger Maris doesn't home, own the home run record. We were talking about for non-steroid guys. But he doesn't own the home run record. So to say, oh, if Judge breaks Maris' home run, he doesn't own the home run record. No, we're, we're saying that he would be the first non-steroid guy. No, I'm saying it, right now, if you look at it, the way they look at the home run record, Roger Maris is still holding the home run record. They, but they, he doesn't. I, I know because of McGuire and Sosa and, and uh, Barry Bonds, yes. But they're, gonna, they're, ne- they're never going to go to the Hall of Fame because they did steroids. And that's what they're looking at. So a lot of people believe Roger Maris still holds right. that I, home I run record. I realize we're going to go down a rabbit hole on this one when I say this. Yeah. And you're going to get all defensive. No. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Roger Maris doesn't own the home run record. You know why? Yeah, those players might have done steroids. Yeah. It was essentially league sanctioned. And I, so I said if, the same thing. If you want the if you you know like if you want there to be rules, the league has to enforce rules, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that they were willingly, let's just say willingly looking the other way on this so they could save baseball in its ratings. Mm. He doesn't own the home run record. Again, I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens when he, if he does break the record this year or he, he does get closer to 61 home runs on how they're going to, uh, when, when it happens, how they're going to be talking about it and the way they're going to be talking about it when he does break it. That's going to be the talk, interesting thing. Can we talk about a giant miscarriage of justice, by the way? What's, like what's an going absolutely on? blasphemous what's going on? miscarriage of justice. How is it? Rafi Devers is a wild card to get into the All-Star game when he's literally the best third baseman in baseball. 
Well, I everybody knows what I feel about Rafael Devers. Even though he's a Red Sox, I, I I do I agree with you. I think he is the best. But you can go up and down the board on that one. This one, you can do what you do and say, look at the numbers, or you can go. Yeah, he's batting three twenty seven. He has seventeen home runs, forty six RBIs. I mean, I think he he's second in the American League in, in batting average. I think he's second, right? I'm pretty sure he's second. Um, and he's he's been phenomenal. And and right now. Uh, if Aaron Judge and, and um, uh, Alvarez wasn't having the season that they're having, I would say he's an MVP candidate. Right. Well, I'm, well, I'm not saying MVP. Right? No, I'm saying that he's close I'm, I'm to it. I'm saying this. Amongst American League third basemen, and he's not at the top of the list of voting, what are we doing? Well, we all know the, the, all-star, the all-star game is fan, you know, fan voting. It, that's what it is. And maybe Rafael Devers isn't the popular player or the guy that really stands out. By the way, he looks like a kid. Did anybody see his picture on the uh, uh, baseball Probably reference? He is a kid. I think he's 24, dude, 25. He, dude, he looks like he's 13 years old in the picture. Yeah. Go look at it. He's got a baby face. Big deal, but he's also pretty young. Uh, he's fantastic. He's a fantastic player. Question is, are the Red Sox going to be able to resign him? That's going to be the question. Not yeah, next year. He's a free agent. He's a free agent this yeah. year. Not this year. Next year. Yeah, Bogarts is gone, and they're giving that money to Devers. You don't think you don't think on, on the other team's going to step in and try to out overpay for him? No, because he's got he's got time left. They'll work something out. Because I think he's got one more year after this on his contract. Yes, though. it's not this year. It's next year. He's a free agent. Right. So they'll yeah. work something out, and they'll they'll keep Devers and whatever, and Bogarts will be the one that's on his way out because last. Year, I don't know. Last year, I don't know. Uh, whenever it was, this is the kid's first year. Mm-hmm. They drafted Marcello Meyer. Yeah, that was last year. By the way, Bogarts is having a good year again this year. I mean, seven home runs, three fourteen, yeah. 30, 34 RBIs. This is from a shortstop. I mean, he's, he's fantastic. He really is. He's going to get paid a lot of money in the offseason. He really is. I, I just don't know, I, know where he's I don't, going. I don't know if that's the case, though. Really? I, I would uh, listen. Here would be. Is he a great player? Yes, I love having him on my team. I think he's great. I would just say this to you. Of the free agents that are shortstops this year, is he the one that you'd sign first? Here's, here's the four shortstops that are free agents. And keep in mind, Bogarts is the oldest, I think. It's Bogarts, Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, and Dansby Swanson. Mm. And if you're looking to throw money at someone that you want someone... Is the oldest guy the one you throw the money at? No, I, you're going to throw the money to Swanson, and, and Swanson's the young guy. And or he's... Trey Turner. Trey Turner's a, and has speed and can do things. Yeah, but I think Trey Turner is going to go back to their Dodgers. I think they're going to re-sign him. He could. They have other problems. They'll have money problems too. They have other guys that they, they're paying. Yes, they're paying Mookie Betts a, a boatload of money. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Right, it's, but they're also going to be paying Bellinger and Kershaw and all the other dudes that are on that team. They I don't know. I don't understand what they should have just let Kershaw go. I understand he's the he's been a face of their rotation. I understand everything, but Clayton yeah. Kershaw can't stay healthy, and I would have just let him go to Texas. I, I heard the Rangers were That's very what interested. You would have done, him. but they didn't, and mm-hmm. they paid him, mm-hmm. and now he's clogging up their payroll. Yeah, Sucks. right. Yeah. So. Can they afford to keep Trey Turner? No, I don't. I don't think they can. I, I don't know that if they keep. If they're keeping now, they can move. They can move one of these guys. These big contracts and 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 decide to try to sign him. I think Trey Turner is one of the, if not the best shortstop, he's the second or third best shortstop in baseball. So and he could do everything defensively, offensively. So the, but the, but those are the four shortstops yeah. that are available. Yeah. And out of yeah. those four, where would you put Bogarts in the order of 
priority in where you would sign him. Mm. Probably last out of those four. I don't know. Because Xander Bo- Bogarts has actually been an all-star three three times out of the seven years he's been in a league. So that's that's he's been in the league longer than seven years. No, but he's been he's a been... starter seven years, right? I think it's seven years. No, he's been a starter since One, since two, he came up really. Did he really? Right? Yeah, which think, was yeah. which was like twelve years ago. Three. I'm, I'm just yeah, I think, was, I think it was. I think it was the last year. One, okay. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight years. So, and he's been an All Star three of them, and he's four times slugging, slugging champion. So, I mean, he's had his good numbers. First shortstop, his numbers are his career two ninety one hitter. Again, I'm going to just reiterate to you. I love having him on my team. Yeah. he's a very good player. Yeah, but out of those four, being the oldest, yeah. is he the one you're throwing all the money at? Probably not because of all the other guys, but it'll be interesting to see what they, you know, what teams. Did anybody think Texas was going to spend the money that they were going to spend? They always spend money. Yeah, yes, I mean, they do. They're, they're they're like the, they're like the Angels. They love horrible big contracts. Yes, <laughs> they love them. They're going to lose Otani. I I think he's on his way out. I, mm-hmm. I'll be very surprised if they're going to be able zero to keep chance him. he's on his way out because he's like their really good player, and it's uh it's a huge PR thing for them, yeah. and he'd be an attraction. And Artie Moreno loves throwing huge money at people. All right, Jeff. We have a guest. Thank you for calling, man. We'll talk you, to you later. You think Artie Moreno won't pay a guy that uh, when he gave Josh <laughs> Hamilton one hundred and twenty-five million? <laughs> True. Gave Mike Trout four hundred. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but Josh Hamilton played like he no gave rent barely. Randoni almost gave like 190 yeah. or 180 uh-huh. or something like that. Yep. Art Moreno is so ridiculous. That'll be the first $500 million contract. <laughs> I don't know. Steve Cohen, Uncle Stevie spent a billion dollars in two years. So, Oh, Uncle Stevie. He's, he's there too. Stevie, you got to be very happy. You're yes. no longer the redheaded stepchild in New York. <laughs> redheaded stepchild. Thank you, Jeff. All right, boys. Enjoy. <laughs> Jeff from Tampa. Interesting guy. Uh, when we come back, our friend we'll be talking to again, Grizzlies radio show, a radio play-by-play broadcaster, Eric Hasseltime, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. We are the Sports Loudmouth. You can call us at 631-672-3108. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can go to our web. You can go download our app. I'm sorry. Take it to the iOS, which is the Apple Store, WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, I told Speedy to reach out to some of our old uh, friends from play-by-play, basketball, football, baseball, and he got this guy. I haven't spoken to him for a little while. We had a fun time when we had him last time. We are now talking to Grizzlies radio play-by-play broadcaster, Eric Castletine. What's going on, Eric? What's going on, man? How are you? We are good, man. We haven't spoken to you in a while. I know. I thought I did something to piss you off. No. Uh, I mean, like, this long-winded <laughs> verbatim radio guy gets bounced from show. Get out of here. Headline. <laughs> hey, you know what wouldn't be a headline? I heard you guys talking to Jeff from Tampa. My Oakland A's spend more than $5 on a player. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even when they spend Holy $5 crud. on a player, they usually are either in first or second place at this time. They're having a big yeah, year. Well, 
it's funny when you have a great third baseman and first baseman and they're now playing in other places. And although <laughs> Matt Chapman uh, is not hitting like Matt Olson is, it's still uh, better than what the A's have right now. It's crazy. Yeah, but you want to know something? This is an organization that believes in the money ball situation, and I, I believe they'll figure it out. Uh, this is a smart organization, and they have a bunch of really smart people running the organization on true. the top end. So, uh, this as is a, true, but they play in a terrible stadium, so they were going to well, have a hard time too. getting fans. Well, that's why. But you, when they go to Vegas, I'm looking forward to that, right? Well, you know why the uh, the now Las Vegas Raiders left over there, so we all know yes, about exactly. this. Exactly, I I know I had season tickets to both <laughs> years ago. Well, I would love. I always wanted to go and check out. Uh, an Oakland Raiders game. I never got a chance to do that. Curtis, uh, Curtis Martin. I've gone to a couple of uh, obviously events for him. He does a lot of concussion events here on Long Island in New York. Sure. And he told me his favorite place to play was Oakland because of the fans, how crazy they were, and how oh. loud it was. He he told me when you went into the locker rooms, you felt the stadium shake. That's what he said. It's he nuts. Felt, yeah. I covered them for three years. And I was there when Tony Siragusa planted Rich Gannon at the 40-yard line and ended that AFC title game, and it went death, deathly silent. But covering those games, you could go down on the field for the last two minutes. And there were times I was frightful for my life um, because these people are not normal. <laughs> and they will, they will yell and throw things at abnormally large humans that play football <laughs> and want to fight them. And I'm like, this dude is six foot four, 375 pounds, and will break you in two. And they're calling his mother names that I just, I didn't even know existed. <laughs> and I would just be, especially like a Chiefs game or a Broncos game, you hear things that, I, I mean, I was in my, late 20s early 30s and i'm going this is making me uncomfortable like this is crazy and i played sports and heard some trash talk all over all my life but this was next level stuff so it was it was a great environment um but it's just unfortunate the stadium is is antiquated and outdated we went one year the the first year we ever played golden state in the playoffs we actually finished the season on the road uh in san francisco our second to last game our last road game and so Four of us went to a baseball game to see the A's play. And I kind of warned the guys. I said, hey, we're going to take Bart over. That's their rapid <laughs> transit. Just be prepared. This is not going to be like going to New Bush Stadium. We had a Cardinals fan or the Braves <laughs> Stadium when it was Turner Field. I said, this is going to be a little less than what you guys expect. They were all mad at me. They're like, you didn't even do this justice. This is absolutely the worst place we've ever been. <laughs> I can't believe a baseball team plays here. It's a concrete just jail it looks like and there's one place to buy beer that we can find and i was like well you know i, I tried to tell you like yeah you you didn't do it justice it's, see, it's awful see, but it might the be team a, was good it might be a concrete jail but at least they don't have a jail in their stadium like the eagles do this is true I, the kangaroo court hey, that made them some money that was pretty brilliant though mm -hmm. yeah especially what's when, going on fellas how you been we're good man we're we're good and obviously you're really good with your grizzlies as everybody knows we are yeah. talking uh, to Grizzlies radio play-by-play -play broadcaster uh, Eric Castletime. He's been a friend of the show, and we haven't spoken to him for a while. So why don't we get into your Grizzlies? Because it seems sure. like uh, this is a team that uh, really surprised a lot of people. They were the second seed in the uh, the uh, I'm sorry, West. the Western Conference. I always go back and forth with football and baseball, but in the Western Conference, sure. they were a dominant team. John Morant really, 
Uh, we all know how good John Morant was, but this year we saw the 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 growth of who he became as a player and really the dominant point guard. He he, he I think the most dominant point guard in the NBA. What were your thoughts of the growth of what you've seen as a rookie with John Morant and going into this year uh, where he became a dominant force? You could see it early on, and I think you started to see it in the playoff series the previous year against Utah. That experience really helped him grow into a more confident player. And then a move that they took a lot of hits for and a lot of flack for by trading Jonas Valanciunas uh, for Steven Adams and then moving draft picks and moving up to take Zaire Williams. A lot of people thought they took a step back with that. But the reason was Ja would defer a little bit to Jonas early in a game because Jonas is a guy that needs early touches to get his rhythm. And I get that. And Jonas is a terrific big man. And he was a great asset to the Grizzlies. As we'd say, roll out a bed, get you a double-double. But you needed John Morant to become the leader of the team. And so that was the move they had to make. So when that happened, he took that to heart. A lot of comments were made during the year. One of the comments that he became kind of known for was saying, welcome to the dark. Well, what he said by (laughs) what he was meaning was what you don't see is what I do in the dark. I go work and I, I try to hone my craft. And he is a tireless worker. I've over my career believed a couple of things. You can have a lot of these guys in the NBA could all be star players i mean they're just that good but what separates you know the stars from the superstars is just a a little bit you're a little bit better but what separates superstars from you know guys that are multiple time all-stars legendary hall of fame type players is a desire to absolutely never stop working to be the best and jaw has that and we saw that from day one and so that was what was encouraging they've never had a player like that here we've had good teams Great makeups, Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley, great guy, Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, a great team that made a seven-year playoff run, but never had a galvanizing superstar. And Ja became that. And so when everybody in you know the desert and all the other sports betting places had the Grizzlies finishing 11th, maybe 12th, maybe 10th if they were lucky with 40 wins, 41 wins, I was like, you're underselling this group. They're going to be good. They're going to get a healthy Jaron Jackson. Jaws another year older. He'll have the control. And I really liked what I saw out of Desmond Bain in his rookie mm-hmm. year and the move to send Grayson Allen to Milwaukee to free up those minutes for him. They realized in that series with Utah that they needed to condense the roster. The Jazz basically played them with eight regular rotation guys And when it came down to crunch moments where the Grizzlies were trying to get 11, 12 guys minutes, and that was Taylor Jenkins, their head coach, first real go in a playoff series, you could see the difference. And so they said, all right, we're going to condense this roster. The bottom end guys are going to be guys if we get hurt, we know we can trust, but we're not going to worry about getting them minutes. And so by doing that, it instilled the confidence in the group that they they believed in that group. So Jaw took the reins with that and after a slow start and on the night where they fell to nine and 10 in their first 19 games, Ja Moran actually got hurt, which the team then went on this crazy win streak. Ja's watching, but this is the mark to me of a, of a really good locker room teammate and star player. He sat on the sideline and kind of just really soaked up everything that changed on that night. They got better defensively. They won 11 of their next 12. They got themselves back into the playoff picture And when Morant came back, they lost the first game or won the first game barely, lost the second game to Oklahoma City, who they had already beaten by 73. It was kind of like, hey, are you better without him, which is just an insane notion. And then he really hit the ground running and became that superstar player you guys talk about. Unfortunately, at the end of the year, when he kind of got dinged up, 
he kind of fell out of the MVP race because the team knew they had the two seed locked up with Draymond Green banged up, Steph Curry out with that injury. They didn't think the Warriors really had much chance of catching them. So when they knew they had two locked up, they're like, we need 12 to be healthy when it, the playoffs start. So we're not going to let them go. We're going to get Tyus Jones those minutes. We're, we're very confident in his abilities. And they ran the last 21, 22 games without him. And they had a remarkable record without John Moran. And he unfairly, I think, took some criticism for that. So, but he takes all that in and then puts it into his, you know, memory banks and uses that as his motivation. And that's what I respect about the man. He knows that as good as he is right now, he can still get better. And there's still aspects of his game that if he improves, then he's going to be virtually unstoppable. So you mentioned the Warriors. They had that very chippy playoff series, all that controversy, all those flagrant fouls. Did you get to call any of those games? Oh, I called all of them. Nice. Yeah, so it's great. with the, the TV guys get all the glory, but after the first round of the playoffs, they don't get to go anymore. Nice. So um, <laughs> I got to – I was there. Um, I think I said on the air in game two when Dylan Brooks uh, absolutely destroyed Gary Payton the second, which was tough to watch because Gary has worked very, very hard to make an NBA career, and I'm happy that he got a nice contract with the Blazers in the offseason because that injury could have really set him back. And Dylan's a competitor and I got a lot of respect for Dylan Brooks. And he admittedly said, I made a mistake. I thought I could make a play. I really didn't have a good angle. I was in the heat of the moment. I wasn't intentionally trying to hurt the man, Mm -hmm. but the angle I came left me no choice to, and I know better. And so I I respected that. And he, he took it. He got in front of the media before game four, when he was going to come back and he heard it when he got into the games, but it was definitely chippy. It was chippy in game one where Draymond green, got thrown out. And, you know, look, I grew up a Warriors season ticket holder. I got a lot of friends still in that area. That's where I grew up. Um, so I talked to my friends out there all the time and, you know, there, and Steve Kerr said Dylan Brooks broke the code. And then of course, all you got to do is give Memphis fans a reason to think people are being disrespectful to them. And they've got the biggest chip on their shoulder in the NBA. So they're going to pipe back. So they're showing the pictures of Draymond Green pulling Brandon Clark down. Is that the code? What's the code? And so every, it just got into it, which was fun because it made it intense. And in the end, um, you know, playoff experience won out. I felt like the Grizzlies in game one had a chance to win it. Clay Thompson made a great defensive play. If you go back to that final shot that I didn't think got enough credit, Ja missed the layup, but he missed because Thompson got to the spot, not to take a charge, but to wall off the angle. And so jaw going in with his left hand no longer had that diagonal angle. He kind of got forced to the baseline. That's a tough shot to hit. If Thompson doesn't get there, Morant makes that layup. The Grizzlies win game one. We're going seven games and and it's going to be an intense atmosphere in Memphis, which we had seen was favoring the Grizzlies. And then game four, when Brooks came back, I thought they really let one slip away there, but that was a fun atmosphere to be in. The loss wasn't fun because you never like to lose, But with an eight-point lead and then the Warriors hit a three, Grizzlies take a bad shot, they hit a two, uh, you dribbled off your foot, they hit another two, and it's a one-point game, and now it's intense, and everybody's rocking and rolling. And um, I I was absolutely thrilled to be a part of it. I would have much rather come out on the high side of that because I think had that happened, the Grizzlies would have been able to hopefully get John Morant back and, and compete with Dallas for the Western Conference title. But as uh, as Mr. Miyagi once said in, in Karate Kid, you got to walk before you run. That's nature's rule, not ours. You know, that's that's the way it goes. And so that's a great lesson for that young team to get to that level, to lose to the eventual champions, to fight with them, to earn their respect. 
And, you know, there's going to be a lot of trash talking and all the stuff about Clay Thompson and Jaron Jackson at the, after the end of it. But that's, that's today's NBA guys. You, you, we all know that mm. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, take your pick. Those guys are chirping at each other. That's the way they do it now. And that's how people communicate now. And so I didn't have a big problem with that either. I, in fact, I want that fire back. I want the NBA to get more of these rivalries back with Minnesota. All these guys play together in the grassroots leagues when they're kids. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jordan Poole were high school roommates. They used to break into the gym together at La Lumiere Academy in Indiana. And they and he was telling that story. So they're texting each other back and forth. But I want when they step on the court, mm-hmm. I want them they to want to fight. Yeah. I want them to borderline want to throw hands and swing at each other if they're that angry. I, but I want it to translate into good basketball, too. I don't want to see the bad boy Pistons with my guy Ricky Mahorn clotheslining people anymore because as much as I love Rick, man, that stuff, you can't do that anymore with these guys making this kind of money. So, and he, we laugh about that, but it's just a different game in that aspect. But I, I want to see that intensity, not necessarily with the level of physicality where guys can get hurt, but where guys don't want to be their best friend. I don't want to be your friend for 48 minutes. We can talk the next day after the game. In fact, I don't want to be your friend for that 24 hours, day of the game, after the game. You know, it's different with announcers. I can be friends with those guys. But, like, when I was a player, I didn't want to be friends with my friends when we were competing against them. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about a very low level of college lacrosse or, you know, (laughs) baseball on those levels. But that's just how I was raised. The guy on the other side of the the court, the net, the, the, the field, the line, that's not your buddy. When you're playing, that's not your friend anymore. That's your, that's your opponent. And you're out there to win. If we didn't, weren't out there to win, we wouldn't keep score. We are talking to Grizzlies radio play-by-play broadcaster, Eric Hasseltine. And by the way, we had Seth part now on the show, uh, last two uh, on Tuesday. And I said the same yeah. thing. I, I don't like the game for what it is. It's really transitioned into this three point game, offensive game. You put a pinky on somebody and you're yeah. going, it's going to be a flagrant. It's going to be a technical foul. I don't like the game. I like it when it was the nineties where the bulls, the Pistons, the Lakers, the, the Celtics, the, uh, the Houston Rockets. I mean, all these guys hated each other. They got on the court right. and they made sure that they put up or shut up. And it's just not the game anymore. These guys are like uh, their best men on in their weddings. They're they're. Right. Their kids, uh, you know, step godfathers, whatever the heck they are. It's just not. It's not what it used to be. I think the game has absolutely changed, and I think it needs to get better. But, um, uh, well, I mean, me- you got the you got the Curry and Rivers yeah. family tree, right? Yeah. Seth Curry is <laughs> married to Doc Rivers' daughter. It's ridiculous. And Jor- uh, uh, the uh, the kid from Louisville, I just blanked on his name. Uh, that plays for the Warriors is married to Steph Seth, Curry's yeah, sister. Steph Curry's sister. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and so you got all these guys that. Uh, that do this. I get that. I want that intensity, but I want the open flow that we had in the mid eighties, mm-hmm. not the let's throw it into Patrick Ewing and have him hold it for 20 seconds. I agree with you. Slow down 79, 78 Knicks beat the heat on the Allen yes. Houston running jumper. I want that to be the end of the third quarter score. So there's a balance <laughs> with it. So I'm with you on all that, but I want the intensity again. I don't I want to be buddies with people. I have yeah. a question for you. I've argued this, uh, throughout the country, people have attacked me on Twitter, and I'm not on Instagram. Thank God. I have an Instagram. Yeah. Somebody got a hold yeah. of my Instagram. I don't go on Instagram. I have a Facebook only because of the network. I am a Twitter guy. I, whenever I do write something, it's Twitter, and that's it. But I have I've spoken, you know, about Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry is a fantastic player. He's a great player. One of the great players of our era. 
I think Steph Curry is very overrated. And the reason why I think he's very overrated, it's not because he's not the greatest shooter we've ever seen, because he is. But I think his all-around game, you can't compare him to the Isaiah Thomas uh, Thomases of the world or the Magic Johnsons of the world or even the John Stocktons of the world because they were a different type of breed of point guard. I think the game has transitioned into these point guards are shooting guards that turn into point guards because they want these guys to shoot threes and chuck threes. Do you like the way the game has transitioned into or you just think it's just a little overboard offensively? What I don't like, and as someone who has coached youth basketball and still run basketball camps here, and and I, I've always said, you know, I, I'm not coaching super high level kids, but I want my players at the end of the year to get better. And I would preach to them in practice, and I, I did this with, you know, any rec league or whatever you plan. If you can get a layup, take the two points. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys now run to the three point line, and it's it spills over to kids games, and it's it's funny. Like I remember playing pick up basketball with my friends and it was at a school uh, that had a church gym. And so we, they let us play at noon. The kids would get half the court. They no longer care if you can dunk. They want everybody to shoot threes. They're like, Hey, shoot a three, shoot a three. Like before they're like, you'd always get asked, could you dunk? And I'm like, yeah, if you lower the rim two feet or you give me a donut <laughs> and a cup of coffee, I can dunk. Absolutely. I'm fantastic at that. They'll tell you I'm legendary at the local Duncan, but um, yeah, I don't mind it, but I don't like the, way it gets manipulated what i didn't like was a lot of the foul calling the drop your the ball below your waist so when a guy reaches you rip up through so we're shooting free throws all the time and i don't like the notion that a 15 foot jumper by analytics is a bad shot if you can't make a 15 foot jumper and you're in the nba you need to go get that job at the bank your mama wanted to get you when you were born you're not, you don't belong in the league you know when you were born they, your mom didn't go hey, he's going to play in the NBA. She goes, boy, I hope he's a banker or a lawyer or a doctor. If you can't make a 15-foot jumper, that's what you need to go do. Uh, And if you don't get up for competition, I say that same thing. But um, I think Steph Curry is sensational in this. The reason I I would disagree a little bit, I I see what you're saying. He doesn't have to run the, the offenses like Stockton did with the pick and roll with Malone or the way Magic opened that free flowing game and changed basketball forever with that, by the way. Um, but Steph did as well, and I've seen him be incredibly unselfish, which I like. But his dribble routine before every game is pretty legendary, and his ball handling skills, I think, go unappreciated because of his shooting ability. Now, I still think Kyrie Irving oh, yes. has the best handle in the NBA. Mm-hmm. John Morant is coming close, but exactly. Steph Curry's right there with him. I mean, these guys could go through freeway traffic and not lose the ball, and it's it's crazy. And um, I just think that Steph is relied upon to do so much more than that because of the system than be a pure point guard. And you're right. The days of the pure point guard are over. We mm-hmm. have one in Memphis that we expect John Morant this year with healthy to go 27 and eight instead of 19 or 20 and 12. Like right. the days of an, an, a point guard getting a thousand assists are over because they score too much and they're, they're relied upon to score too much because they tend to be the best athletes. Now where that starts is those grassroots basketball things. The best players on those teams have the ball in their hands and it doesn't matter if they're, you know, 14 years old and six foot one, or, or they're five foot seven. If they can handle, they can handle. And the coaches don't care anymore. It's that positionless basketball. I think the shame of it is there's still centers that are talented enough to take over games, to get on the low block and be unstoppable. But now your centers are stepping out to the three point line. But if you think about it this way, go look at Bill Russell's vital signs, like his, his stats. He was 6'10, 220. 
That's a three. That's mm-hmm. not a guy that's going to grab 37 rebounds in the game change, <laughs> but right. he was awesome. And I remember one of the highlights of my, career, of my career was getting to host a symposium for a select few season ticket holders here. And Bill Russell was speaking. He had written a book and i had always heard this guy was a little cantankerous with the media. So I was probably as nervous as you could be. And I was a kid, like maybe 33 years old. And I was like, Mr. Russell, uh, my father was a great <laughs> fan of yours. And, you know, I was just shaking and he just puts this massive hand on my back. He goes, kid, relax. I'm just a guy that played basketball. And I was like, yeah, but you were pretty good. And we kind of talked and he was really, really nice. And the question came up and I'll never forget this. They said, you know, you never averaged 20 points a game in your career. And he never shot above 50%. And he said, they, someone said, why were you not more of an offensive factor? He said, because Red, Coach Auerbach, never wanted me to play on the offensive end. He said, you rebound, you defend. We'll take care of the rest with Havlicek and Kuzi and these other guys that can score, Sam Jones and whoever those Celtic legends were that were around him. He said, if I wanted to score 25 a night, I could have. But I was a team player. And that's what made me respect that so much more. So hmm. I think if you put Steph Curry in a situation where you said, hey, we want you to shoot the occasional three, but our offense is predicated on running and getting the ball into this. I think he would have been terrific in that role. Uh, he just happened to figure out he's the best shooter in the game. Yeah, well, I, what really pissed me off about Steph Curry is is it, it, when they won the championship, that game, even when they were the game was over, he was chucking up threes the last two minutes of the game. Yeah. They kept him on. He was just chucking up threes, and that's why I don't know about I think Steph Curry's – he wants to break every single scoring record. He wants to be the best legendary shooter of our era of all time. And I think he's got more to prove with that. And I, I think it, it's really just a show-off game when you watch the Golden State Warriors. With Draymond Green's big mouth, with Klay Thompson after games <laughs> attacking people, and then Steph Curry doing his stupid shimmy every time he hits a three-point shot. I mean, these guys, they're fantastic. They're some of the great three threesomes we've ever seen in the game of basketball. Right. But you never saw Michael Jordan doing a shimmy. You never see Dennis no. Rodman, even though Dennis Rodman was the crazy person. You never see Dennis Rodman, you know, after the game, talk talk about how stupid the other guy is and how about, a, you know, if you ever saw him, if you ever saw him off the, off the court, you'd punch him in the face. I mean, you never, Dennis Rodman was right. crazy. You never heard him say that. And yeah. Scottie Pippen was a quiet guy that really barely ever said yeah. anything. It changed. Like I think it was Gary Payton that really kind of brought that evolution yeah. of the trash talk into the game. And I'm with you because I always said you you do it that way. I mean, the, the worst you ever heard Michael Jordan say was, you know, Bill Beer, he is not going up to block my shot. He's going up to foul me because he ain't going to block my shot. And we all agree, like, well, like, yeah, that's true. We, we see the point. But I will tell you this. Back in the day, I, I do have a friend named Dwight Boyd who played for the University of Memphis. He had a cup of coffee in the NBA with San Antonio. And in a preseason game with the Spurs, he had to guard Larry Bird. And Larry Bird walks right up to him and notoriously was a tremendous trash talker. I know. Yep. And Larry Bird just bowed down so no one else heard him. And he goes, rookie, I don't have a blanking clue why they put you on me to guard me, but you're in for a long blanking <laughs> night. And so I didn't want to cuss on your and Dwight, to this day, still laughs about it. And I go, and what do you do? He goes, let me up for 30 in about 27 minutes. <laughs> and, I said, and I said, and what happened? He goes, every time he made a shot, he goes, told you. Every time he made a shot, he goes, told you, told you. I told you it's going to be a long night. And so I get it. But the the social media thing, that's, the, you know, that's where it goes too far sometimes. I mean, I can't say anything about it because I, I love our guys and our guys talk. And we've gotten a little reputation in Memphis with guys that, that do it. But there was an incident with LeBron this year with our team where Desmond Bain and LeBron kind of 
bump shoulders. That's two big dudes. Desmond Bain is built like a middle linebacker, strong safety that's going to annihilate a tight end coming over the middle. But he's a great shooter. And they talk to each other a lot more than the other team from what I see. Now, in the end of the game, John Morant has said to somebody, if you don't know who I am, you better call somebody and like did the phone thing. Uh, I think when he blocked Kyrie Irving's shot on a mm-hmm. game winner against the Nets. I remember that um, game, yeah. But yeah, but I think our guys get labeled as those young, brash punks. And so other teams start talking. When I've seen our team, a lot of times we're talking to each other. They're talking to each other and talking about like firing themselves up. And I get it, but I, I'm with you. I like, show me with your play. Mm-hmm. Don't show me with your mouth. And, and you know, like making a three when you're up 17 and, and, acting like you just won the NBA title to me. Sometimes that, that grates on me a little bit too, but overall, I think the game's in a very good place. I think it's as skilled as it's been. Mm-hmm. I think the message became clear that, you know, the European players were coming over with better skill sets, better polished games on, on multi-facets, whereas the NBA game was, we're just going to give it to one guy and play ISO ball and everybody else has to stand around. And so now you've got guys that contribute. Look, John Morant was good in the, in the Timberwolves series. There's no doubt, but the, the Memphis Grizzlies don't advance to the second round without Brandon Clark. Mm. A lot of your les- listeners may not even know who Brandon Clark is unless they're <laughs> mm-hmm. hardcore NBA fans, solid player, 11, 12 points a game, six, seven rebounds, but he was sensational on the offensive glass. And that's where I think the game's gotten better. The depth of teams now has finally caught up to after expansion and going to 30 teams. Mm. And now they're talking about doing it again. I'm like, you could set this back and have, you know, guys out there that just should be either at the end of the bench or playing somewhere else. And that's just the nature of the NBA. There's a very fine line. And so I love it, but I I do think at times this whole check me out, get me on Instagram, you know, how many likes am I going to get? Oh, the TikTok thing is Talk trash to this guy. Yeah, the TikTok thing is, oh my gosh. Tell Terry Moncrief, stop sending his uh, private things to uh, his Snapchat too. (laughs) I mean, that guy well, is out of yeah, his mind, man. I'm going to leave that one to you because I think telling. Draymond Green, if I said a word to him, I'd just punch me. And I, I have no desire whatsoever to get hit by a six foot seven inch, 235 pound athlete. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's how some people find a good time on a Friday night, but I've got other options. Oh, I'm just, 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 uh, I'm five, congregate the city of Memphis against Draymond. Green. I'm five, 10 and 230 pounds. So <laughs> you want him to go Tanner Boyle on the city of Memphis and fight the entire city. Oh yeah. <laughs> pretty tough here, man. Oh, yeah. I know you. I, exactly why I'm you saying that the city of Memphis. Uh-huh. You're not making it. I know. That's exactly why I say that. We all NBA fans across the country. We'd love to see Draymond Green get taken out by a city. Uh, yeah. Well, Matt Barnes, the funny thing is, you know, Matt, God, Matt, Matt was legendary for running his mouth. And, and at one point with the Clippers, when there was that rivalry between the two teams, kicked a trash can. And then the Grizzlies acquired him. And Matt Barnes went from super villain to super loved because <laughs> he was tough, like Zach Randolph and Tony Allen. And his okay. press conference, he goes, I just want to add one more thing. I want to apologize to the trash can that I injured uh, years <laughs> ago here in this building. And we all fell in love with him because of it. Well, I love Zebo. I'll never forget Zach Randolph. I have a lot of respect awesome for guy. him. Yes, yep. very nice guy. I met him. Uh, he retired. I, I met him recently. Uh, he, he, I think he... I think he went to the uh, the Grizzlies Hall of Fame, or what? Didn't didn't he get nominated? Yeah, he honor? was the first. He was the first number we retired. That's right. And they put it instead of putting a jersey up because of the music ties, they put a a platinum record up with his number up on oh, the wow. wall. And that's cool. Uh, they're going to they, those four guys: Tony Allen, Mike Conley, Marcus Uh Though th- those four will be up there, those three will be up there with Zach, and there'll probably be a statue. Um, 
Tony was going to go next. And then obviously some things happened and they're going to get that back in order. Mark's now retired. So Mark will be the third. And then Mike, once he retires, those, those four guys changed this franchise for the better. And now I love the fact that our young guys respect that. And when they see those guys at a game, they go pay respects to them for making Memphis, not a doormat and and a, a respectable NBA franchise. And still to this day, this is why I don't love that social media world. You get people, you, you work for a, a poverty franchise and you're trash. I'm like, dude, we got the second best record in the league. What are you talking about? Like, I mean, like bong hits are great in the evening or in the morning, but like 17 of them before breakfast to make you this much of an idiot is probably not the best way to go through life. My friend. Uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to Grizzlies radio play by play broadcaster, Eric Hasseltine. before we let you go. Cause we have another guest to come on. Yeah, uh, I I, we have one question to ask you. Uh, a fan yes. wants us to, I uh, ask you, uh, do you have any good stories about Lorenzen, uh, Lorenzen Wright? Uh, everybody knows the story, what happened to him. Uh, oh, man. Uh, do you, you know just gave any... me goosebumps. Yeah. Um, you have any stories that uh, you know about Lorenzen uh, Wright? Yeah, I've been here since the, the team moved here. So, Ren was one of our best players in the early going. Um, it, it, so, it, it really was – a tragedy. I, every time I see the story, it hurts me. He and I would do interviews. My, my favorite memory with Ren, one of the best stories I could have, this type of man he was, um, I ran into him at a local gym here and I hadn't seen him. He had since gone on, played in Sacramento, played in Cleveland. And I feel this giant hand on my back and I'm just in the gym and it's Lorenz and Wright. And the next thing I know, this seven foot guy is giving me a hug, like we're long lost brothers. And we had become friends and just sharing stories about that. There's no one memory in particular, except for the time that I finally asked him, I said, Ren, do you ever wear an outfit twice? And he goes, well, no. And I <laughs> said, Lorenzen, these are not cheap pieces of clothes. He goes, I know. I go, what do you do with them? He goes, well, I give them to my friends, or I donate them to, you know, needy kids that are tall. Cause there's a lot of tall, you know, young basketball players that probably aren't going to get the NBA. I said, well, that's, that's good. And he, he said, uh, and he, he said, yeah, I, I just tried to do that. I said, well, all right, you know, that's that's wonderful. And that makes you even better person. He goes, yeah, now then my friends that are on the payroll, those those mooches, they, they can go get their own stuff, though. And so I just laugh about it. He was a wonderful man. It's a tragic story. Yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking for the kids. I I worked with Elliot Perry for 13 years, and Elliot's as good a guy as there is. He Lorenzo was like his little brother. You mentioned that name to him, and that's those are one of the few times I ever see Elliot Perry really, truly get choked up. Lorenzen was a favorite son of the city. I have a ton of respect for him. He had a restaurant here. They weren't the best with their money, but like not every NBA player is. I'm not going to hold that against him. He loved his kids. He was great for the city. He was as genuine a guy that I had met early in my career. I felt like I could ask him honest questions as a broadcaster. And when you're in your early 30s, and trying to make your way that that's invaluable. And so we struck up a friendship and just little things that you, you laugh about that, that, you know, like, Hey, I was at this party and uh, my buddy had a girl pop out of the cake. My wife didn't think it was so funny when she was there. That I was like, why would you bring your wife to that party? Dude? He goes, Cause she wasn't letting me go alone. And I said, all right, well, I get it. Uh, but just things like that. And, you know, like those stories, he was, he was a, a, a great dude. And, you know, it's his family had tragedy. His father running a, a basketball center got shot by a disgruntled mm-hmm. player and ended up in a wheelchair. Uh, Mr. Lou is what we call him, Lou Wright. And um, Coach Lou was a great guy, too. So it's it's tough. But, 
yeah, there's a there's a lot. That was a hard day for everybody when we found out. Um, there was a lot of people around here that believed that, that eventually the truth would come out, and, yep. and hopefully it did. And so uh, we uh, we now can kind of rest our heads a little easier, and we miss our friend, and we miss our our teammate. You know, the, the guys that played with them miss their teammates and their brother, and uh, Memphis misses one of their favorite sons for sure. I followed the story, and my, it's a, a tragedy. It's disgusting what happened, and. Uh, yep. The people that were involved, including his wife, deserve to be where they de- they are right now. Yeah. So it's just disgusting. Yep. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, by the way, we really appreciate you joining us. We definitely want to get you on a lot sooner than later from what we had you. But uh, you're a friend of the show. We respect you more than anybody. And uh, uh, one of the more familiar play-by-play guys we've interviewed uh, over you know a few years, and and we've interviewed a lot of a ton of them, but you you really stand out as one of the best. So we really appreciate. I appreciate you. it. Well, hit me up around uh, when we get through training camp. Absolutely. I'll give you a little preview of what we look like. I'd love to talk about the upcoming season, and I love being on your guys' show. You guys are always keeping it real, and we can talk about other things too. We can talk about football out here. Well, we're not talking not about my underwear, for, okay? We're not, not a passion about... for no. college football. <laughs> yeah, there's not a real passion for college football in the south. Nobody down here takes it seriously. Let me tell you. Well, just... Holy crud. You just you just keep it safe over there and don't don't drive on the show, okay? Because I see you driving. Oh, it's parked. It's it's parked. All right. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I got you guys. I had I had a, I had some things to uh I had some things to take care of tonight, so I kind of got caught here. But uh, it's been a great time to be with you guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you Thank so you. much, Eric. We really appreciate All right, you. Uh, we were just talking to Grizzlies radio play-by-play broadcaster. Eric Hasseltine. Speedy, who do we have next? When we come back, we will have NBA.com and NBA TV commentator and analyst Bo Estes. Ha, 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 ha. When we come back here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are the crazy sports loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wow, Eric Hasseltime is fantastic. And uh, I know our special guest has been waiting to come on. We really apologize. Uh, we are now talking to NBA.com and NBA TV commentator and analyst, Bo Estes. What's going on, Bo? Nothing. I actually was enjoying listening to you guys talking to Eric. It reminded me of a Pal Gasol story from Memphis back in the day where Pal first comes to America <laughs> and he's playing pickup with some guys, tries to set a screen, and they're like, what in the hell are you doing? You don't set <laughs> screens on three down here, man. And I was like, that is the difference between European basketball, particularly then, and American basketball. It's changed a little bit here. It's a little bit better now. But it was a bit of a culture shock for Powell back in the day. It's so interesting when we get Eric on the show. And we, we talk to a lot of play-by-play guys. But uh, Eric really just brings out his personality. He's very funny. We're very funny. And he loves a lot of these analysts. Well, who do we have on Chicago? Chicago's play-by-play guy? Oh, Chuck Smirsky a while ago. Chuck yeah. came on our show like a, a two years ago. And I, I like to ask crazy questions. So I asked him a question. I said, Chuck, uh, we were, I, I asked like five silly questions. So I asked him pretty much. I said, Chuck, if, if you went out in public in a woman's dress and makeup and high heels, where would you go? And he looked at me 
three or four times and gave me a look like he was going to cut my head off. And he says, well, boys, it's very nice coming on your show. And we never reached out to him again because I thought, I thought he was going to stormed kill me. out. He stormed out. I thought he was going to kill me. And, you know, it's, he, he just looked at me like I was crazy. But, you know, when we come, when we talk to a lot of these analysts and these different athletes, we've had a lot of pro ball um, Hall of Famers come on a show. We tell them, we I tell my producer Speedy to tell them before they come on a show, let them know that we're not like every other interview. We're pretty straightforward. We're cool. We're collective. But we're you know we'll cut out of the box and we'll do stupid things. And we just want people to understand that when you come on a radio show, you don't want to be the same boring radio show that asks the same boring questions. You just want to be different. You know, I'm surprised that somebody would hang up on that. Seems like you could have some fun with that answer, honestly. Yeah, well, he 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 wanted to kill me. I think he wanted to chop my head <laughs> off and cook it or something. Thank God he's not from Wisconsin, because then I would probably ask him if he knew Jeffrey Dahmer or something. Anyways, <laughs> uh, we are talking to NBA.com and NBA TV commentator and analyst Bo Estes. So, Bo, uh, what were your thoughts to the Golden Star, Golden State Warriors winning a championship, and and really throughout that series? Um, the crazy things that were happening. I mean, some of the things that Clay Thompson was doing, Draymond Green saying, you know, after they won the championship that they, he believes they're going to win the next three out of four championships, which I think he's out of his mind. But, you know, Draymond's a, a little out there anyways. But what were your thoughts to the Golden State Warriors pulling out another championship? The NBA playoffs are a tournament we hold from April to June, and it's usually health at the right time to win the championship. To me, I honestly believe if the Milwaukee Bucks were healthy and Chris Middleton was there, that was the team to beat. And I don't put an asterisk by any darn championship out there, but I, I, do, I am aware of context. The idea that this team is going to win three in a row is nuts to me. I think Giannis is the favorite every year with how dominant this guy is and particularly how he's displayed that he can raise his level in the playoffs. And I, I thought he was the best player in the playoffs this year. And Steph Curry was incredible, let's be honest. Steph Curry's amazing, but Giannis does it on both ends of the court. Golden State was a great story. It was a great redemption story. I was calling it the last dance for them. Wiggins was their second best player in the playoffs. He's really good now, but I don't know that that wins another NBA championship. So you mentioned it being the last dance. I want to mention the identity of it because actually Eric had some good points about like point guards kind of being not the same anymore. There's not a lot of good ones and like bigger players, wing players taking over the league. Do you think that style of Golden State, the way they built the team is not going to be the same with a lot of these big wing players now like Giannis and like Luka Doncic coming in the league? Well, I think what it is, is it's going to be Golden State, but bigger. Like you mentioned, it's going to be guys that can shoot, guys that can defend multiple positions on the perimeter, not 6'3 and 6'4 and 6'5. They're going to be 6'8, 6'9 and 6'10. Look, I just left... Uh, Vegas Summer League tonight and watch the first half with Jabari Smith mm. and Paolo Bancaro going head-to-head. -head. And the great thing was they were matched up against one another, but they have all the skills. I saw Jabari Smith grab a rebound, dribble all the way down the court, gets a pull-up jumper, got fouled on the jumper. Paolo Bancaro do the same thing. So it's just Golden State plus size now. Mm. It's the, Everybody's doing what they did. But they're going bigger. And, you know, that's one of the great things about Summer League, Paolo going against the bar. Last year, Jalen Green and Cade Cunningham going head mm. to head. And Jalen Green wanted that matchup. Ticked that he didn't go number one. That's a lot of fun out here in Summer League. As everybody knows, we are talking to NBA.com and NBA TV commentator, analyst Bo Estes. 
Um, so why don't we get into this KD situation? It seems like it's the talk <laughs> of the NBA right now. And Kevin Durant, we all know that he's not a big fan of Sean Marks. And ever since Kyrie Irving wanted that super max contract worth about 240, which made him the, would have made him the, the highest paid NBA player in NBA history with all the money that we've seen be delivered and handed out this offseason. Uh, the Nets decided to not do that. And then they said, go out and find your own trade. And he opts into the $36.5 million. And then all of a sudden, a week later, Katie goes to Sean Marks in upper management saying that he wants out. Trade me or I'm not playing or whatever the heck he said. So uh, what are your thoughts right now? And, I mean, there are teams. Miami, he says, he, he want to go to Miami, Phoenix. And now Golden State's another team that's been brought up in the conversation where is Katie going? Is he going anywhere? Or is the Nets going to figure out something how they can keep Kyrie and Katie there for at least one more year? Well, it's wild to me. Katie says he wants to go to Miami, but he wants them to still have Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. and to still have Kyle Lowry and to still have Bam Adebayo. Well, they got to trade something. You know, you say you want to go to Phoenix, but you want Devin Booker still there and you want Chris Paul still there or whatever. They're going to have to give up something to get you. Uh, so he, he's going to have to be understanding of realities here. Toronto could put together the best trade package for him that would return something to Brooklyn to give them an immediate future and, and a better long-term future. I would let this play out a little bit. Maybe KD cools down. And maybe they can start a season with Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and get on a roll. And these guys enjoy that experience, and it becomes okay. Ben Simmons sat all season long with the Philadelphia 76ers to a late-season trade. Looked like he may come back and play with the Brooklyn Nets. Didn't do that. So uh, I just don't know. When you are early in a contract asking or demanding a trade, and you've just signed this big contract, it presents a problem for owners in the league. And I'm telling you, the next collective bargaining agreement is going to be tough, tough, tough for the players. (laughs) I believe the owners are coming for blood. I really do. So as a result, what do you think is the Nets' best-case scenario to make this kind of thing work, either to rebuild and try to reaccumulate these draft picks because they have nothing except for pick swaps for the next decade? And also with Kyrie listing the Lakers as his primary team, but listing all those teams, like what do you think is the best case for both scenarios to work for the Nets, either to keep them or rebuild? Uh, well, I think the best case is if, if you start a season with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons on the floor, that's your best case. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get much better than that because they're close to an NBA favorite with that. Uh, you know, look, they, for the longest time this year, Vegas had Brooklyn as the number one team in the NBA, the favorite to win the championship because of Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving at the time. And it just didn't work out. It really just didn't work out. A lot of that, you know, I talked to somebody in the Brooklyn organization yesterday or the day before, and a lot of that's just injuries and bad timing, but it's not going to be remembered that way, right? We can talk about the fact that James Harden and Kyrie weren't there in that series at the same time much uh, against Milwaukee last year. But people are just going to remember that they lost. Uh, And this year, James Harden got sick of dealing with Kyrie Irving. He gets out and goes to Philadelphia, and now you're stuck with Ben Simmons, who was not happy in Philadelphia. But I really, if I'm the if I'm the the Nets, there's two things here. One, do they bring so much negative energy? But the other side of that is, man, I would really love to roll the ball out and see if you can win a championship and see if you can get off to like a a 14 and two start. Everybody's feeling good and everybody's happy, and those demands go away. Uh, that to me, that is their best case scenario. You don't get equal value when you trade Kevin Durant away. 
You just don't. Kyrie Irving, not as good as Kevin Durant, but he's really good too mm. when he's on the court and when he's focused in. So to me, the best case scenario is to keep those guys, honestly. LeBron James comes out the other day and says that, well, he tells the Lakers because he is the GM, as everybody knows. <laughs> and he tells the Lakers, listen, trade whatever, how many first, first round picks you can get for Kyrie Irving. I don't care if you give five, six, get Kyrie Irving here. If somehow Kyrie Irving gets traded to the Lakers, and he's already come out and said that he only wants to play for the Lakers, which means that if he gets traded anywhere else, he's not going to want to be there. He's going to cause trouble. You know Kyrie Irving doesn't shut the hell up. The guy thinks the earth's flat. He thinks the moon doesn't exist. Whatever he thinks. I mean, the guy geographically is an idiot, but (laughs) nevertheless, he's a fantastic talent. Um what are your thoughts of LeBron coming out and saying, listen, and he also told the Lakers, if you don't make the moves and you don't make the moves that I, I want, I, I'm not going to sign the extension going into the season. What are your thoughts to this whole Lakers, LeBron, Kyrie Irving situation? Well, I remember back years ago when, when LeBron in his second stint with Cleveland was signing plus one-year contracts. And the idea was that he could hold management's hold management's fingers to the fire, make them do whatever he wanted. That was LeBron in his prime. I don't know LeBron is quite in his prime like he was then and quite has as much pull. He's got a ton of pull. Look, he averaged 30 points a game last year. Incredible player. How many more championships does this guy have in him? One, maybe, maybe, two, maybe. I don't know that LeBron at his best is as good as Giannis at his best now. So um, I think think he does have a lot of power there. I think he has a lot of sway – uh, but I think that that is waning as each year passes. Um, if you pair LeBron, Kyrie, and Anthony Davis, and if they are healthy mm-hmm. and if they are engaged, you have a shot. You really do. Uh, but I don't know that they can get to that. I don't know that Brooklyn wants anything that the Lakers really have. There's differing views on that. Some people say that there's progress on that trade. Some people say that there's not. I don't know what they have, what the Lakers have that Brooklyn would ever want. You've got to have something that Brooklyn would want. Otherwise, give them to somebody else. Because I just, I just feel like Brooklyn does not have to fold up and go home and take whatever abuse they have to take. They got some power here, so they should use it. So I was talking about it with the with the notion of the point guards, the backcourts, but how about the concept of the big threes? You mentioned that this collective bargain yeah. agreement coming up is going to be tough on the players. Do you see the notion of like trying to make those big threes like LeBron has done, like the Warriors did with their super team, kind of fading away and now building more like Milwaukee, like you were saying, and teams like that? Well, so I'm trying to think of the last real big three that won a championship. 2020, LeBron and Anthony Davis. Is there a third there? Uh, 2021 is Giannis and Chris Middleton. This year, it's Steph, Andrew Wiggins, and I don't know the next big three. So not in the sense that we think of a big three. Let's put it that way. So I don't know that big three is the way to go anymore. You're lucky we get a Giannis, right? Like when you get a guy who really is committed to your organization. I don't know how much you guys know about the history of this guy, but the Milwaukee Bucks organization moved heaven and earth to get his family over from Greece to America for him. I mean, they were lobbying the United States government. They were, because this was a lonely kid. He's 18 years old. He's in a different country uh, and he has no one. So all he does is he goes back to his apartment in Milwaukee. He saves the master bedroom in his parent, in, in his apartment for his parents. He never sleeps in it. So this is a kid who really developed a relationship with Milwaukee because of what they did for him. You don't get that story every day, Mm -hmm. but my, my thought is, 
man, if you if you can build around one superstar who really buys in, who really buys in, uh, and then you can build out with another guy who's an all-star, and then good complementary players who do what the NBA needs you to do now, be able to switch on defense, knock down three-point shots, be able to move the ball. If you can use those skills, then, man, you've got yourself a puncher's chance. Uh, but, you know, still to this day, guys, who wins the NBA championship? Giannis, mm. Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. Those are the guys that win. It, it, it is the best players who usually do well in this thing. As everybody knows, we are talking to NBA.com and NBA TV commentator and analyst Bo Estes. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to checking out the Giannis like uh, series on Disney. I, I heard it's really, really good. It's really nothing about basketball, really just uh, how he became, you know, how he got to America and how he drew his family over here to America and really became the player that he became. It's, it's, I, one of my friends checked it out. He says it's an unbelievable story and it's, it's, it's definitely going to win Emmy awards, uh, you know, when the Emmys next year, you know, come out. So I'm, I'm interested to see that. And I see that you're a huge Giannis fan, by the way. I am a huge Giannis fan. I don't know that I'm, so much a fan of any player anymore mm -hmm. like right. I used to be when I was younger. But I, I am a fan of what he is, what he represents, and the work that he put in to get to the point where he is. Because this is a guy, if you look back at his rookie pictures, he was skinny as me in high school. He really was. I mean, he and he didn't belong out there. And this is hard work that has earned him this position in the league. And, you know, I'm good friends with uh, Mirren Fader, who wrote a biography on Giannis. She's not involved in that Disney thing, but she's excited about it too. This is a guy that you can really pull for. Mm. He's earned everything he's got. As everybody knows, we're, we're talking to one of the very well-known commentators on the NBA TV, uh, Bo Estes. So uh, my question for you is when you look at the, obviously the trade deadline and Everything, the free, I'm sorry, not to trade deadline, the free agency market that opened up. I mean, Jalen Brunson going to the Knicks. I don't know how much that makes the Knicks a contender. But some of the, the moves that happen, um, obviously the Boston, Boston making the move that they did for Brogdon, which a lot of our Boston fans think that Brad Stevens should be, coach, uh, should be GM of the year because they made that move. By the way, Brogdon can't stay healthy, but if he is healthy, it's a pretty good move. What were your thoughts to the free agency market when it opened up? Uh, this is not like an all-time great year, right? There's right. not an, an incredible superstar out there. But I do think it is interesting to look at Boston off that final series addressing a need right there with Brogdon. I don't, you know, I, I sort of stand by Marcus Smart and say, look, what's wrong with the point guard you got? Uh, but this is support. Basically, the NBA is not about one guy playing point guard anymore. It is uh, people who can create with the ball in their hand, and you can move it around, and several guys are able to do that. Brogdon is one of those guys, and Brogdon can play defense, and Brogdon has a little more size than smart. So it's just another guy that you can run out there who can switch everything, who can shoot, who can penetrate. You know, I, I think it's a great move for the Boston Celtics. I'd be pretty excited about that one, too. Jalen Brunson's interesting to me because Jalen Brunson sort of forces your hand if you're going with him as your, your point guard, he's, he's really, interestingly enough, he's a 6'1 guy who's an interior scorer. He goes in and scores inside. He drives inside. So how does Julius Randle play off that? How does R.J. Barrett play off that? And I feel like New York had to spend. Mm. I just feel like New York has to put a product out there. Because remember, two years ago, they're in the playoffs. They're, they lose to Atlanta, but they look like they were pretty good. And then they fall off this year. Julius Randle falls off. I think they got to push it all in a little bit this year and see if they can get something out of this iteration of the Knicks and get back in the playoffs. Because, it, you know, look, 
it, it's better for the NBA if the Knicks are good, if the Celtics are good, if the Lakers are good. These are these historic teams uh, that are meaningful to fans around the world. So Rudy Gobert gets traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Jazz get a lot back in return for players and a bunch of draft picks. So what do you think about that trade? And also, what does that mean for Donovan Mitchell? Do you think he'll stay in Utah or still get traded? First of all, I'd like to highlight your quote. Jazz get a lot back from that trade. Boy, did they. That's another team that sort of put the chips on the table. Carl Anthony Towns is not a famous interior defender. He was a weakness down there. So you go and get Rudy Gobert. He's as good as there is in the paint defending. Can he get some stuff uh, with a more open lane if Carl Anthony Towns is pushed out and a budding superstar in Anthony Edwards is out there? So it's an interesting move for Minnesota for B, and Donovan Mitchell's got to be out of Utah, right? What does he want to do there anymore? Mm-hmm. He's going to be very unhappy. Too. The Knicks are one of those teams that everybody keeps talking about. Julius Randle is a guy that they're going to have to move on, you know, move if they have any chance to get him. And Donovan has been seen going out with uh, Manuel Quigley and uh, some of the different young players on the Knicks. I know a lot of people have attacked me. I don't know if he's on his way out. Danny Ainge has spoken out and said that he's building around him, but I've heard Danny Ainge say a lot of crazy things over the years, and I know he hates the Knicks. I know that. But if he only wants to go to the Knicks and that's where he wants to be, more than likely that's where he's going. Maybe Danny Ainge's job is to get as much value from Absolutely. as he can. So if Danny Ainge says he's not going anywhere, that just means it's going to be hard to get him. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make it as hard as possible to get him. So I understand what Danny Ainge is doing there. But I just, you know, again, players dictating where they're going to get traded right. to and who they're going to be traded for mm-hmm. and what the other team should re- receive in return. I mean, good on you if you can get it, man. But, like, I don't see the owners loving this going forward. Right. There has to be some balance of power there. Uh, so I, I, I'll i be interested to see how that plays out because Kevin Durant is one. Donovan Mitchell is a completely separate deal. He is not Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. So if he's able to move heaven and earth in the NBA and make owners do whatever he wants, man, the players have got a lot of power. And, again, that just I've been through – I've been working with the NBA since 1994. Uh, so that, uh, gosh, I'm just trying to imagine the labor dispute we would go through because we've been through some before. (laughs) So you being from Atlanta, they made a big trade as well. DeJounte Murray coming over to play with Trey Young. I always thought that was a good trade because I thought that they complement each other well. Murray more of a defensive point guard and not as good of a shooter, but does everything else well with the size. And Trey Young, a great shooter, great passer, and that'll open up more looks for them. So what do you think that trade was like and what do you think of the Hawks upside this year the jump they can well make. I'm waiting for the other shoe to fall because there's been so much talk about John Collins and what's going yeah. on with John Collins and what are they going to do with John Collins because they have a rim runner in Clint Capella they have a young guy in, inside the they like in, in Yaka Kongu so I'm going to be interested to see does John Collins stay there because John Collins is one of those guys those guys that are just below all-star level but really really close that score near 20 points a game they give you a lot uh, that's John Collins. So do they move him? Do they get some other piece that fits? Because I really agree. I think the Hawks backcourt is wonderful right now. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, and it's going to be trouble to stop them offensively, defensively. We'll see how Trey and DeJounte mesh. And that sometimes can take time. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that works out. But man, I think the Hawks have something to be excited about. This year was honestly a bit of a disappointment mm-hmm. coming off the season where they go to the Eastern Conference Finals. But, you know, people always talk about that they sort of overshot the runway two years ago. 
Nobody thought they were an Eastern Conference finalist two years ago. They get there. So now, you know, they, they sort of come back to earth a little bit. This is a year where they should be doing something. But go through the East, guys. Look at the super teams. There's Milwaukee. There's Boston. There's Philadelphia. What's Miami got this year? Does Brooklyn bring those guys back? It's not easy in the East right now. It's not easy. So Atlanta's knocking up against all those teams and hoping to get one of those top four spots. We are talking to NBA.com and NBA TV commentator and analyst Bo Estes. Last question for me, DeAndre Ayton, who seems like he's still available. It's crazy how he was the big talk of the town before the free agency market opened up. Now they're saying he's going to be sitting down and waiting until KD gets moved, if he gets moved, and if he doesn't get moved, where the hell is DeAndre Ayton going? Because he's going, he hasn't gone anywhere so far. Everybody's getting an extension. We saw Zach Levine get his two hundred million dollar extension. We've seen other players get their hundred and two hundred million dollar extension, but he's the only one sitting there. You know, Phoenix is not re-signing. Where's he going? This may be a, a play for him to keep that money available for a trade. So when he signs, I think there's a there's a period of time they have to wait to make a trade happen. So what I what I expect is, you know, first of all, if you've got a player as good as DeAndre, and there's not a lot of teams that wouldn't have maxed him out at the start of last year. But, you know, Phoenix may have been right. He sort of let them down in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. But I, I think it's going to be interesting because I think they're saving that. It goes back to that Kevin Durant thing. Is that what they're waiting for? Is Phoenix trying to put DeAndre Ayton and another piece and some draft picks together and see if that's enough for Kevin Durant? And Brooklyn's just, guys, they're just looking around the NBA. Who's got the best deal for us? Who's got the best deal? And then they're going to go to Kevin Durant and say, this is what we're going with if you like it. I really believe that. I just, I just... I'm not sure that they're going to deal this guy. I'm not positive about it because he's so good. And you're, I mean, look, is, is shoe, the toe of the shoes on the line a couple of years ago, or they win a championship in all likelihood. That's how close they were. So, you know, I, I, if I'm Brooklyn, it's really hard for me to let that guy go. So my last question, I know you've had both the broad, live broadcasting and also you do the uh, top 10 for the highlights as well on NBA, on yep. NBA TV. So your, your favorite, any call that you've had live broadcasting, broadcast any game, and your favorite moments, any, any moments you have with the highlights? My single favorite moment ever calling anything uh, for those top 10s was an Atlanta Hawks dunk by Mike Scott of a Jay-Z and Kanye song. It's the first time I ever did anything silly. And I, I think it was like eight seeds are psycho. They're uh, like Michael. They might go gay. Uh, and I think it was like Jackson, Tyson, Mike Scott, game six. <laughs> and uh, I, the, the, that's when I think Deadspin picked it up. And I got, I got a text. I'll tell you guys the truth. I got a text from Brent Berry. And Brent Berry just texted me. He says, you're on the front page of Deadspin. <laughs> First of all, guys, that's not a comfortable feeling because it's vague. You don't know if it's bad or if it's good. Uh, but, yeah, I got that text from Brent, and uh, that's when that whole top ten thing took off. And it was uh, – it's, it's, really, it's really been a fun ride since that with that NBA top ten. Well, we really appreciate your time, man. You're awesome. We definitely want to get you on again. And uh, we'll be listening and watching you, man, as always as you're a very talented source for the NBA TV. Thanks so much, guys. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Bo Estes, fantastic guy. Check him out, NBA.com, NBA TV commentator and analyst. Fantastic. He really is. And he, know, he, he gave us some stories, too. And yeah. 
Uh, just a fantastic talent, absolutely. And uh, as if anybody has checked out NBA TV, you'd see him on top ten. He he's funny. He, he yes. gives you a little bit of a personality, and uh, definitely stands out on the NBA TV. So, and as you, and everybody remembers Brett, Brett Barry, who uh, his father, uh, you know, Hall of Famer. So, uh, and, and his other brother, all all the three brother, two brothers played in the NBA, and the father. So, uh, you know, anyways. Um, before we go, we have about 20 minutes left of the show, 21 minutes left of the show. Um, we're definitely going to get into, we'll get into the A-Rod thing cause we didn't talk about that. Uh, but the NHL draft mm-hmm. and, uh, we didn't really get into that. I, we didn't get a chance to finish watching the NHL draft. I, who did the, uh, the, the Rangers don't have a first Rangers round don't have a first round pick because they have the, they got to the Eastern conference final. So their pick became Winnipeg's first round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at the draft results. I think it was just the first round today. Or? First round. Yeah, and the Islanders traded the pick. The Islanders traded the pick to, for uh, for Alexander Romanov. I think a lot of people are jumping on the Islanders because why did they bring in another defenseman? They should have went after J.T. Miller. There were stories coming out that the Islanders were pushing highly after J.T. Miller from the Vancouver Canucks to add another offensive talent to play with Barzell. Uh, who plays the wing, plays the center position. He could play all different positions um, on the top line. It didn't happen. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. A lot of people still think that JT Miller is definitely somebody the Islanders really, really like because he plays that style that Lou likes Mm -hmm. from the Devils, and and he also played for the Rangers over a couple of years. So um, do I like the move for the Islanders? Well, this wasn't a deep draft. The first round was not deep. Right. Um, I, I think Lou looked at it at 13 last year. They didn't have a first. I think they've only had the only two first round drafts. The first year was yeah. the first year. Yep. The first year with Dobson and um, Wallstrom. Yep. And I was at that draft. Those were the only first. And that wasn't even his picks. Those were Snow's picks that he set it up. So uh, Lou landed and, and Wallstrom looks like he's going to play. And Dobson's one of the best young defensemen in the NHL. Yeah, so. don't remind me. I wanted the Rangers to draft Wallstrom that year. Meanwhile, they're now trying to dangle their first round pick in a trade. So. Yeah, so I mean, am I upset that the Islanders didn't draft Frank Nazar, who they drafted for, you know, at that position? No, because we don't know what Romanoff is going to be when the Islanders. He he is a good hitter, and that's the style the Islanders like to play, defensive hockey. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm interested to see how he fits, and what does that tell me? They didn't need a defenseman. So what does that sell to me when it comes to Lou Lamorello is he's planning to move a defenseman. That's what he's probably doing. So uh, Mayfield's available. They have to re-sign Dobson, which they probably will. Yeah. Um, there's other guys. that Maybe Green doesn't come back this year. He's an old man. They need to add some youth. To, uh, they want to make sure that this defense is going to stay young for many, many years to come. So Romanoff actually was the second, first line, second, second defenseman. First pair, yeah. Uh, first pair. So he could be your second pair with Dobson. So he could be your future with Dobson as you have Pelik and, and Pulak playing together on the first uh, first pair. So, I, I mean, that's a pretty good defensive you know pairing. And then you, your other pairing right now I think would be uh, – who did they, It was uh, Salo, and then if Roddy comes up – Salo I guess, or yeah. Ajo. You know, Ajo, who, yeah. They're going to probably right. resign Ajo. So Salo and Ajo, they also have uh, the kid that yeah, they Yeah, Roddy. Just, Atu Roddy's coming up. No, no Roddy's not a defenseman. He's oh, he's not a defenseman. Player. That's right. Yeah. Uh, who's the other guy that, that, that didn't get his COVID shot? 
Oh, the, um, yeah, a Bodie Wild. Bodie yeah. Wild, yes. who who the Islanders sent away to the international because he went. But now he, you don't need a shot. So uh, does okay. Bodie gotcha. does Bodie Wild get called up this coming year yeah. with the Islanders? So uh, Lou was very upset that he wouldn't get the shot. So he says he's not playing. So now that you're not forced to do it, so Bodie Wild either is a trade chip. Or yeah, a possible move for them. Yeah, probably a trade chip, more likely. But again, it's it's possible he could still he could still get on too. But definitely a guy that Romanov, nice young player. As we have a caller. Uh, I bet you this is Kevin. What's going on, man? What's up, Faker Mayfield? Faker. Why is he Faker Mayfield? Ooh. He's fake. He's yeah, fake. Fake ass. Multi- no, I don't know. That's what I gotta say about Baker. Um, you know what? It seems like he's gonna get the last laugh. The way the Browns pushed him out, they cho- they they chose him over a um, criminal with all this baggage over his head. It looks like Baker's going to get the last laugh. Uh, what's your guys' thoughts? Well, Baker, I think, already had that tension before Watson even came in. So it was going to be hard for the Browns as it was, especially the way they handled the injury, too. Yeah, he was injured, and they just... And they, they push, they push it there. off to the end of the season. I also think that when you look at Baker Mayfield, I don't know if it's something that Baker is going to prove. I think people know how good Baker is, and, and I, I don't think Baker has anything to prove. I think what Baker's going to do is he's got to go out there. He's going to have to outplay Sam Darnold as long as Sam is there. Remember, they traded a second and a fourth for him, so they're not just going to send Sam away unless Baker flat out beats him. And so these two guys that are challenged, both guys drafted in the same draft, one and three, are going to be fighting for the position. So – um, I don't think it's a sure thing that Baker wins the job. Now, if Sam goes out, he's in a, he's in shape and he's ready to play. We all know what happened in the first the first three games of the season last year. They were three and zero, and Sam Donald was on a roll. And all of a sudden, Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, and they're not the same team. So, uh, even though I think Baker's going to win the job, I think he's the more accurate quarterback, and I think he's got a lot to prove. I, it doesn't make it a short thing that he's going to win the job from Sam. Very true. I forgot Sam's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, did he stink up the joint? Yeah, he <laughs> he stunk up the joint later in this season. Uh, how about Mitch Trubisky? Is he going to be the starter for Pittsburgh? It's a good question. I, I don't think he's going to win. I think I, he'll start for like a month, I but I think Pickett will uh, get I, in eventually. I think Pickett's winning the job. I, I think that was the whole plan. I think he's NFL ready. I think they – no one – a lot of people were – Questioning where they were going, uh, Pittsburgh was going at yeah. twenty. I told everybody they're going Pickett. It was just a hidden agenda. They didn't want anybody to draft him in the top twenty. He was the best quarterback available. He is NFL ready. I think he's going to be a great quarterback in this league. I think eventually he could be like a, a Matt Ryan type of quarterback. I think he's the accurate ability. He's the leadership. He he understands what it is to play in Pittsburgh because he grew up there and he played there. I think it was a great pick by them, and I think it's going to be Kenny Pickett. As much as I like Mitch, I think Mitch is done. I think he's either the backup or they let him go and let some other team pick him up. I think it's uh, it's Pickett's uh, team to to win, and I think he's going to win the position. Kevin, are you worried about his hand size with Pickett? Because I know that was a big concern for a lot of people. What I'm worried about is these rookie quarterbacks because it seems like there's a there's always a hot shot rookie quarterback coming in and. They rarely pan out. It's not going to be this class that's going to have all those. There might be some solid ones. I like Desmond Ritter, too. If Atlanta will give him a chance, we'll see if they do. Uh, but Pickett's the most pro-ready right now. I feel bad for Desmond because this team's going to be – Atlanta's going to be bad this coming year, and they're not going to win a lot of games. So next year's draft, there's a lot of quarterbacks in that class. So even if Ritter's there, 
I think they're going to pass over him. They're yeah. going to still draft a quarterback, and Ritter's going to be sitting there. Yep, he'll be Josh as a Rosen. third string. Yeah. As a third string, and he's never going to get his chance. Right. So it sucks. Yeah, he's going to be Josh Rosen again. I mean, you know, look at someone like Trevor Lawrence. They're saying this dude's the best prospect since John Elway and stuff like that. And what has he done? He, well, he got nothing. held back by Urban Meyer, who they might no, be the worst NFL they coach They had ever. no <laughs> offensive line. They drafted a, ru- a running back that used to play with him who got hurt right, before right. the season started. They they didn't have the weapons that they needed. And, and, and yes, did Trevor Lawrence had a breakout year? No. He's also playing for Jacksonville, a Jacksonville team that doesn't know what they're doing. I think they – they have a good uh, a good coach, offensively sound, who's won a Super Bowl before. I think it's going to help Trevor Lawrence. I'm telling you right now, Trevor Lawrence is going to have a much better season with the weapons that they have. Um, I just I don't know if he's going to succeed as much as we think with Jacksonville. But again, Peyton Manning, we thought we we thought the same way of Peyton Manning. He took that team to the next level. I think eventually Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Uh, these guys, they're going to figure it out. I think they're too good of quarterbacks, too talented of quarterbacks to get to that, to, that, to not get to that level. And so. it might not even be with Jacksonville, too. We see quarterbacks yeah. force themselves out all yeah. the time. Trevor Lawrence might make a leap for the next two years in Jacksonville. If they're still not winning, want out, and then he'll blossom somewhere else and become what he was supposed to be, That all that hype that he was getting. Now, he should be able to strive more statistically, one with the more receivers healthy, he'll be too. much better this Because year. LaVisca Chenault was hurt for a while. They lost, they lost DJ Chuck to injury all year. They get rid of him. They bring. They overpay for Christian Kirk for whatever reason. But he's still at least a productive guy, better than what they had. Ho- hopefully, Evan Engram doesn't drop passes there. But that's a whole other story. But Etn is a guy that they played with. Also, a good guy that you use as a slot receiver. James Robinson's still there, and their offensive line is still solid when they are healthy too. And every literally anybody can be a better coach than Urban Meyer. Oh my God, that what a disaster! They brought in a good was. coach. Peterson is Peterson is a good coach. He's won. Yeah, he's absolutely. won a Super Bowl the two or three years that he was there. He got fired because of Carson Wentz. The bad rap. Yeah. By the way, Carson yeah. Wentz didn't last over there in Indianapolis. He's on a third team in the last three years. I mean, he's played – as good as Carson Wentz is, and I think he's a good quarterback, he's played for three organizations in three years. That tells you about how he is on, on and off the court – on and off the field. And by the way, Frank Wright is a big fan of his. He's, he's the reason why he was drafted in Philadelphia, and he couldn't control him and couldn't keep him around. So that just tells you. And he had a great season with Frank Wright. Yeah. So that only just tells you. Only a second efficient season of his career, but it took that long in order to get it to that point. And it, even with the Colts having the weapons that they had, still couldn't, still wasn't enough. Not that it's all his fault. They had no. bad defense at the beginning of the year, too, and Taylor took a while to get going. But still, it, it's somebody that is – one, an injury concern, too, and two, now a locker room concern, like we're saying. You got to remember, Mitch Trubisky brought the Chicago Bears to this playoffs. Mm-hmm. Who, I mean, that was mainly their co- defense, but okay. No, he played very well there. He played, he played fine. He okay. played well. Go ahead, Kevin. What are you saying? Now, now who, who's the current quarterback now? I forget his name. The Bears? Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Justin Fields, that's right. Every single day I had to hear on the radio, get rid of Trubisky, give Fields a shot. It's it's time for something new. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. You're right, but you traded away a lot to bring in Justin Fields, and I'm not giving up on him. How about give him some weapons? <laughs> Who does he have over there? If I would be, if I was a Chicago Bears fan, I don't know if you are, but if I was a Chicago's Bear, a Chicago Bear fan, 
I wouldn't feel comfortable knowing that my quarterback is being left to dry. He has no offensive line. He's got like seven tight ends on the team, and maybe one of them knows how to catch. Yeah, and the other, out, yeah. there's no wide receivers. They drafted White, uh, what was it, five, six years ago. Didn't that, pan out. <laughs> Kevin White was like seven years ago, seventh overall pick. They have one prone. good yeah. running back, and they're they're just horrible, built, horribly one. built. How are they going to win with a Everclus as your, your, your coach? No offensive style of game, and you're putting a quarterback who is more of a, a running quarterback in you know in to not succeed with the no offensive line. If anything, I feel bad for Justin Fields, and you can't yeah. blame Justin Fields. The Bears are stuck in the past. They're they're still not getting the modern notion of you need some kinds of that even just you don't even need the best receiver in the league, but you need depth. Darnell Mooney's a good receiver. He's not a number one. He's a number good number two, and they have literally nothing else. Komet's a good tight end, injury prone. David Montgomery's a good running back who's injury prone, and their offensive line is awful. And they've been poorly run for quite a while because they never know how to get a passing game. And they are going to run this kid into the ground, and who knows? He might force his way out too. Like I was saying with Trevor Lawrence, Robinson. Yeah, he's with the Rams now. Robinson. Allen Robinson the, um, is with the Rams. He had, that's what Fields had. He had Robinson. He had an elite Allen Robinson wasn't 100% healthy. He didn't healthy. play well last year because he, he wasn't, wasn't healthy. He yeah. wasn't healthy, and they had no offensive line. How are you not giving – you're, you're giving Justin Fields two seconds to throw the ball. How do you expect them to get it to Robinson? I mean, the, the, uh, he's a good route runner, yeah. but he can't do everything, and, and that is a big Correct problem. Correct me if I'm and wrong. He's coming off Correct bad injuries too. Wrong. The the line was it was that much Horrible. different. It was when, really bad last year, really bad. And they drafted a kid, happened? Tevin they, Jenkins. They traded the, him away. They traded away some well, big they, they lo- or something. Cody Whitehair was the only good one they had. They lost James Daniels this offseason. Tevin Jenkins they drafted, who I think is good, but he missed a lot of time and did not look good when he returned. So it's still a little bit of a worrisome. They've overpaid a bunch of other veterans, and they're just not good. They're one of the worst offensive lines in the league. And Justin Fields is a guy that can scramble, can move around, and they can't expand the playbook because of how quickly he just gets pressured. He was the most hit quarterback I think in his time since he started, since he first started in the league. He's been the most hit quarterback and heavily rushed and you can't do that if you're a running quarterback. Nick Foles was in there to be replacement. He was going to replace uh, Mitch Trubisky and Mitch Trubisky went out there, outplayed him yeah, early. in 2020, yes. Listen, I, I like Mitch Trubisky. I, I really do. I have a lot of respect for Mitch, and I even guys like Jeff and some of the fans that call up the show and stuff like that, we, we still there's, there's still a little bit left in Mitch Trubisky's tank where maybe he gets another shot in the league. But to, for him to beat out Pickens, they wouldn't have drafted Pickens in the first round for, for Mitch Trubisky to win the job. I think they, they plan for Pickens to win. They want to give him a challenge. Mitch is a veteran quarterback. That uh, you know is uh, probably a worse type of talent than Pickens, but can help him grow as a quarterback. They expect him to be. I, I, I just can't see Mitch succeeding over there in Pittsburgh and being the guy. So, uh, unfortunately, I think Mitch's career as a starting quarterback in the NFL is over. I'm not just saying this because I'm proud Polish American. Mitch Trubisky is a future champion. <laughs> yeah, you got to help the Steelers <laughs> win a Super Bowl then. <laughs> They got Brian Flores to help at that defense, though. We'll see with the offense, though. They they have Najee Harris, which is nice. Their off- offensive line is still questionable, though. The receiving depth, they it should be better than it is, but it seems like it's underwhelmed a lot of the time, too. They drafted P- Pickett, Pickens to go with Pickett, so George Pickens. We'll see how he is after the injury, uh, but he's a nice talent if he's there. And then you got Chase Claypool, who's big, but isn't a great route runner and celebrates first downs too much. 
And he likes to do TikTok, which is yes, definitely and he not likes a to good. Do TikTok. Don't they all? Yeah, so does so did Juju. He learned it from Juju. They all do. And Juju's Brown, with the Chiefs. All of them. They need to get rid of these social medias. They're, they're just yeah, pull, pull off a Sean Payton and just have the Steelers <laughs> ban social medias. <laughs> hey, last topic. What do you think about Chet? His Ooh. name is Chet. Oh, Holmgren, Chad Holmgren. Yeah, he did look good his first summer league game from what I heard. It's six blocks and 23 points, double-double, I think. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical of him compared to most people because of the way he's he plays defense. He's got he's to put, put on some size. I also think his movement could be a little better. He's a very good shooter for his size, though, and that's what a lot of people really like about him. Um, I'm a little down on him compared to the other prospects in this draft. I liked a lot of the other top five guys better. Well, he might turn out to be the best one. He could turn out to be the best one. That's what a lot of people are saying. I'm a little down on him compared to most people, but I'll still, I still think he'll be very good. The dude is skinny. Yeah. yeah, he's got He's definitely got to put on some size. Maybe he's as skinny as you are. Not a chance. He needs to bulk up like me. Start lifting him. Oh yeah, you're a beast. Not you're not only beast? that. Not only that. Movement based defensively. So you're a beast. Is that what you're telling us? I'm a, I'm a beast. You're a beast. How old are you, man? How old are you, Mister Beast? Twenty five. Twenty five and and trying to beast. Maybe you could teach Speedy how to do a couple of push ups. You know, he's trying to do it. He's trying. It's all, it's all about the um, body weight. It's body all about the body exercise. weight, huh? How much do you weigh, man? How tall are you? How much you weigh? I'm about 5'9", 180. Uh, you got to pull on more size, man. Hey, it's perfect perfect proportions. It's, oh, all, yeah. it's all about perfect proportions. Oh, yeah. It's not about size. It's about health. Look How are you, you feeling? You healthy? Can you, can you do your job good? Or you get out what of do breath? you do for work? What do you do for work? I work with my uncle. Vending. We go and we stock shelves. He owns his own vending oh, machine. Good his vending company. That's, okay. Okay. It's honest work, you yeah. know. It's good. It's, it's good money. Work. I know it's good money. I have a friend that owns a vending company. He does it. He has a yep. bunch of vending machines all over Long Island. No, does it's not work. vending. It's um, hmm. it's a stocking. It's he owns his own oh. route. Oh, a stocking route. Bread route? Is it something like that? Yeah, it's like bread. He does oh. chips. He does. Donuts. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. I understand what he does. Yeah, that's good, man. Hey, listen, man. My my friend owns a vending route where he has a bunch of vending machines and he you know he stocks it up. He makes pretty good money. He does very well. He's all over Long Island. Very good. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh, how are you guys doing? How's um Worldwide Sports Network? We're good, man. We're good. Doing good, man. man. Rocking and rolling, man. Rocking and rolling. Tired, but rocking and rolling. You pulling any new any any new uh, sponsorship? Um, actually, uh, we're working on some pretty big things going on, man. So we'll see what happens, but, uh, we'll let you know, man, Kev, keep uh, listening and keep, uh, you know, being a dedicated fan. We really appreciate you. You know, I will brother. All right, Kev. Kev from Chicago. Yes. The resident Bears fan, along with Carl, complaining about the Bears and Mitch yeah, Trubisky well, and other things. Yeah, uh, Snug says, Snug says uh, with the last 20 minutes, we could discuss how today is the World Chocolate Day. Oh, it's a big day. Chocolate pie, chocolate cookies, chocolate cake. Anything and, of with course, chocolates. chocolate cupcakes. Anything with cupcakes. Is there any you, chocolate Snuck? Jeffs uh, that you can eat, too? I mean, I, I, I'm sure Snug, if you knew how to make a, a, a chocolate. With a all... chocolate Jeff. You know? <laughs> in, in the shape of Jeff, I'm sure Snug would try to do it. Are you kidding me? That'll probably biggest be, be his biggest sale you know, over there with his cookies and his cupcakes. The Chocolate Jeff. 
Snug also says, was Baker Mayfield drafted in the NHL draft? And did the Islanders draft Baker Mayfield? No, but they do have a Mayfield, so that is pretty funny. Mitch Trubisky just keeps getting paid. Lawrence wasn't awful last year. He was fine for being held back by Urban Meyer. Japan Prime Minister just got assassinated. Oh, wow. Damn. You know know what that means? It was probably the China... Everything oh going on in the yeah. world. I mean, why am I not surprised? Uh, Snuck says, this, this guy sounds like a beef disciple. He might uh, be. 100% this dude smokes with Kenny. Yeah. Uh, Jeff says, literally nobody said that Trubisky wasn't even there at the same time as Fields. No, he was saying they moved off Trubisky yeah. to draft Fields, is what yeah. he was saying. Trubisky was with the Bills last year. Uh, Snugs says, LOL, when was the last time the Bears had a good quarterback, Rex Grossman? No, no, I wouldn't even put him in there just because he was with the Super Bowl. Fun fact, the Bears... Jay Cutler was good with them. He was good statistically yeah. with them. Yeah, he was fine. I never... Uh, Jay Cutler was a very good quarterback. Yeah, that, Jeff just responded to that. But the Bears are the only team in... NFL history that never have had a quarterback that threw over 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns or more. Even they don't need that. <laughs> well, Chicago was a team where it run the ball. Running in front seven. They're good with that. and They can't develop anything else. Mm-hmm. But uh, Snook says, I love Cutler. I've never seen a player less interested, less interested in his job. And now we have Jeff on the phone. Chocolate Jeff, what's going on? Can you guys find a guest? that hates what the Celtics did. All these guys love it. They got, they got, they got the two guys that they needed, right? Daniel Tice, D- Danilo Gallinari is an upgrade from Daniel Tice. He okay. is. And Malcolm Brogdon is miles like ahead Brogdon, of Aaron yeah. Nismith. Oh, yeah. Miles ahead <laughs> yes. of Aaron Nismith. Yeah, that's true. Right? No, I but like Malcolm those, Brogdon a lot. Right. Those are the two upgrades. Mm-hmm. That's a much better team. And all these guys love it. Shout out Anchorage, man. <laughs> Your favorite guest, we know. Nope, nope. Still uh, Gerard. Still Gerard. Okay. Man, neck and neck. We have to get Gerard in here. <laughs> so Gerard won, Anchorage man too. That's the, right. Jeff I, hierarchy of guests. That's right. And I'm not going to forget, I still have that bet with, with Gerard. So we're on it. We're on what it. was the bet? If... if uh, Tua doesn't throw for 4,000 yards this year. He has to forever call him Hawaiian Tebow. <laughs> he's not throwing 4,000 yards. I don't know why he thinks that, but whatever. He's definitely not throwing 4,000 yards. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I, actually, next time we get him on, I want to bet him because that's not going to happen. You're going in with Jeff on the same bet? I'll bet money on this one because that's not happening. It's not happening. So That's a fact. So <laughs> I don't care what Tyreek Hill says on his podcast. I mean, it's ridiculous what he said. Yeah, he's I mean, the same one that said he could outrun Ukrainian Bolts in his prime. Yeah, okay. I'm sure he thinks that, but it, that he couldn't. He barely beat Terrell Owens at friggin' 44 years old. Terrell Owens almost beat him on a one-on-one. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it, Terrell Owens is built like an ox. That well, yeah, guy is unbelievable, man. I really I mean, believe in, in fairness, in Terrell Owens is keeping himself in pretty good shape. Oh, he's yes. fantastic. I mean. The shape that that man's in. I mean, he's close. I don't know if he's – I think he's older than 44, but I, I, he's, he's close to 50. And the guy, I think he could play in this league, and I think he's faster than some of the receivers in the league right now. He ran a 4-4. Yeah, he's 48 years old. <laughs> he ran a 4-4. Four, four, four. Four, wow. I mean, that's ridiculous. I, <laughs> I, I love these NBA guests that you, you get on. They all love what the Celtics did, and they're all very iffy on the Jalen Brunson move. 
Well, he wasn't iffy on the Jalen. No, Hurts. he said he said no. the, he said the Knicks spent good money. He said that he's he just was worried about the fit with the some players because he's a lefty. Right, so he's iffy on the move. That, yeah, because you don't know what the li- listen. I didn't say it was a bad contract. He didn't say it was a bad contract. He said that no, 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 you have no, two lefties. You have three lefties on a team. Fit. Right, but it may not be a fit. That's all right, so all it's not a fit. It. And maybe it is a fit, because just like the anchor man, Anchorage man said, he said, you heard what he said. He said, I, he I was wrong. Run. Yeah, he says, I was wrong uh, before on Jalen Brunson. As a prospect. Yeah, yeah so uh, who's to say I'm going to be right on this one? So uh, just because he says that he's not sure about it doesn't mean that he's he's going to fail as a Nick. So but they all love what the Celtics did. Yeah, all great. They all love Malcolm well, Seth, Seth was unsure about him on the Celtics because he can't stay healthy. So just because he, he's a good player doesn't mean that he's going to stay healthy. He's never I, healthy. I think, I think his health will be less of an issue with Boston. And just hear me out on this. He's had health issues because he's played a crap ton of minutes. He's not going to play those minutes with Derek White and Marcus Smart there. They're kind of running that three-man rotation at the point guard. And less minutes might keep him healthier longer. That's fair. Uh, Stark, we'll Stark says Kevin puts tortillas on the shelf at the end of the Walmart aisle. Probably he, does. He must wonder, have met I the wonder, beef in the deli. What? Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if he, you know, delivered some stuff to the old beef. <laughs> well, he lives in the Chicago. Chicago. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can mention his name. <laughs> He lives in he lives in Chicago. I don't think he knows the beef, Snark except says, on the show. When Snark, seen him. Snark says the greatness in green. Uh, what if we had Karan and the beef coming on, on the, show the beef together. is the beef is coming on the speedy. Could you let me talk and stop cutting me off? The beef is probably coming to the show, and he's going away on the fourteenth or fifteenth. He's coming when the, the Thursday after he be, he comes back. I think the week after he'll be on the show. So. He'll be on the show so people uh, can get their, you know, their licks on him. I'm sure he will be in here and sitting here and dealing with all the abuse that he's going to be dealing with. Are we, are we counting down to the great Cowboys season? Is that, <laughs> that the occasion? Eight, eight and one. <laughs> well, we'll be doing our NFL picks because he'll be here. So, Not even eight, eight and one. Speedy, six wins this year for those Dallas Cowboys. Six. I'm just rolling with the eight and eight jokes, Jeff. It's the classic eight and eight jokes that have to be made. Hashtag but now the extra game the <laughs> at the time. <laughs> hey, Carl joining it on the hashtag man, the beef party. That's, uh, well, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say his name anymore. So he'll forever be known as the person known as the woodland creature. <laughs> the woodland creature. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. The that might not be able to mention his name. We get very upset. The woodling creature, he calls him. <laughs> Stuck also says, what if we had Gerard and Anchorage Man on the show together? Pure oh show God, magic. Do not do that. The sensory overload for me would make my head explode. <laughs> oh, dude. He'll be doing something, but not something that we could talk on live radio. <laughs> Jeff, by the way, I, I don't know if you knew this. Terrell Owens' middle name is El Dorado. <laughs> That's yeah, a weird. cool last name. Middle name, yeah. <laughs> ban the Woodling Creature. Terrell Dorado. Yeah. Hashtag ban the yeah, Woodling Probably creature. named after the car he was conceived in. <laughs> <laughs> the Woodling Creature. That's pretty good. <laughs> all Woodland Creatures. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, man. The Woodling Creature. Interesting. You know, he, he gets very upset at me, so I don't want to mention him He's by name. sleeping. He's not even listening to the show right now. Yeah, he'll, he'll listen he to the probably listen to it earlier, but he's not. 
He listens to it until he falls asleep. He listen he listens to the show all the way till he falls asleep. He'll probably listen to the first hour and then he's done. He's out like a light. Carl says Mark Kelly waxing poetic on seventies basketball with the beef talking cowboys. Yikes. That'd be interesting. I mean, but Mark doesn't like the Cowboys, so he wouldn't get into it. What is, he's a Met fan, and the Beavs a Met fan, but the Beav is so you know he really he's so negative. He's so negative about the Mets. He says after June they're done, and he's you know what he might not be right because uh, they they haven't played well in June, so and that's why the Braves are catching. Yeah, but the Braves also played really hot in June too. The Mets have played. They was expected to level down a little bit. It's not like they've been like god awful like they were in July and August last year. Right, but do you, do you guys, like, not see what's happened with him, though? Like, mm. do you not, like, it, it's so obvious. It's right in front of you. Like, losing is so ingrained in his DNA that he's just genetically predisposed to be like, ah, July, we're all done. Well, the way the Mets collapsed last year was unheard of. It, like, when it, when it comes to a trend, like, those kinds of collapses, the Padres did the same thing. But those kinds of things don't normally happen to that level. He's just ju- be- banking on the fact of, oh, because the Braves are hot now. The Mets aren't playing this world-class baseball. Even with the Braves, I mean, the best team in baseball, I mean, in the last, since the season started, it's been the Yankees. It's not even been close. No, 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 right. But, uh, yeah. but aren't, they, aren't they the second best team in no. baseball? Aren't the Mets still, no, they're still the, the second best? They're the fourth. No, they're not, the fourth. yeah, not right now. It would be. It's for a long time. It's there, the they? yes. It's yeah, they the were. Yankees. It, it not for the last three weeks. It's it's been the Yankees. Now the Astros. Then the Dodgers. Then, then the, the Mets. Mets. Yeah. So it, it's the well, fourth. The Dodgers, man, they were awful for yeah. a long time too. They had one bad stretch, but now they've gained ground because the Padres are in a bit of a slump right now. The they Astros lost seven are hot of ten right games. now too. I mean, they the Astros have won the last like fourteen out of. There are yeah. 17 games or something uh, yeah. like that. Single-handedly being propelled by Jordan Alvarez. What a month he's had. <laughs> he's been really good. I mean, he's been fantastic. Yeah. And that's why he's an MVP candidate. So, it, it's... Did you see Rafi Devers hit like 1,000 feet of home runs tonight off of Kermit? <laughs> God. Rob Kermit, yeah, but uh, the Yankees still win, so it doesn't matter. They did. They did still win. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest of the team stinks. The whole team stinks right now. Chris Sale beating up TVs and what are you doing, pal? Yeah, well, I think Chris Sales will be fine. I, 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 all this stuff that you you see with these guys, I think it's just stress. I mean, this guy's been trying to fight to get back. The guy couldn't stay healthy in the last three years. He got that big contract, and he feels and he's a he's he's a winner and he's a fighter and he's a he likes to compete. And right now, he he feels like they paid him and he's not producing, and that pisses him off. I it would piss me off too. If I'm a player and I'm a competitor, so that's why he's pissed. I I don't blame him. So he's the anti Ben Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Stuck says Beave listens to the show while he drifts off to sleep, dreaming of coleslaw in the Cowboys shower room. Chris Sale has always had a bit of a temper, and yes, Carl, the Mets do need a cityscape jersey. That would be quite cool if they had one. Hopefully- the Mets do not need a cityscape jersey. Why not? I think I think they could make a pull off a good one with their color scheme. Do- no, dude. It's te- first of all, everything the Mets do uh, is, is terrible. Like I hate the black jerseys. Just give Why? me those nice. Just give me those nice crispy whites with the orange pinstripes. Those are classic Mets. I like the black like, ones. The classic. I like the. Black oh, ones. I think they're terrible. Mm, I like the black ones. I like it. black, blue, orange color. I think it, that goes well together, especially for night games like that. I think it works for for, for the Mets. The only one that I kind of like. Is the the uh, 
the St. Louis Baby Blues. Okay. Yeah, those are pretty you know, good like too. That's, those are, but that's like an old kind of classic thing. I don't even like the Pirates throwbacks with their dumb hats and their stupid uniforms. Like I like the new Pirates. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I like more of the vibrant colors, so I, th- I think that kind of thing would work. I guess we have a different taste of uniforms. If you like vibrant uniforms. colors, then how are you into black? No, I think because I think the black is a good alternate for the background to glow with the orange, to have the orange glow and stand out. I, th- I think it looks good. But I like I like the different colors. I don't really like the traditional white ones as much. I think it, it's – and some of the – some of the not all the pinstripes, but some of the pinstripes can be bland too. I think those classic Mets ones are, are, are the best ones they got. Interesting. All right, I guess we just have different tastes in uniforms. That's fine. Uh, Snug says the Phillies baby blues are good too. Actually, my favorite of the like the light blue color are the Royals alternate ones. Mm. They're not as much classic. I think they're just alternates, but it's the same type of color scheme as the Cardinals one. And, and I do enjoy Boston cityscape uniforms, though. I, I yeah, the the, the the yellow and light blue ones. Those ones. Yes. Do you, yeah, do those you are know cool. What that is for. Do you know what those are for, Speedy? I, I I remember hearing about it. I don't remember now. It is a tribute to the Boston Marathon. They did okay. that right after the marathon bombing and stuff and whatever. And gotcha. That, that's the that's the logo of the uh, the Boston Marathon is blue okay. and yellow. Yeah, that's I think I think my that. brother told me about that too. I just didn't remember at the time. But yeah, that, that, that that's a good that's a, I like that color scheme too. Even but though even it's then, weird for the Red like Sox. The, but even then, I don't like the Red Sox when they wear like the the white pants with the red top. It looks dumb. Just give me the white. Speedy, uh, Carl wants to know before we go, name the college Chris Sale went to. I couldn't tell you. I don't watch enough college baseball to know that. Do you know, Jeff? Uh, I know he's from Lakeland. Huh. The college Chris Sale went to. Well, just because he's from Lakeland, I'll say Florida Southern. Hmm. Let's see. Speedy's going to pick it up. He's going to... But uh, yeah, you're right. From Lakeland, Florida. I know. Same same town as uh, is Pierce, Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce. Yeah, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. By the way, before we go, oh, Florida Gulf Coast. Florida, Florida Gulf. Gulf Coast. Ah, I knew it was a Florida school. I just want to say something. It, uh, this A Rod story. It seems like it's trailing around here in New York about him saying that there's a fifty fifty chance Aaron Judge is going to stay a Yankee. I, I'll say it again. I don't think Aaron Judge is going to be re-signed by the Yankees because I don't see the Yankees giving him two hundred and fifty or more million dollars. I, I just can't see it. They've got a ton of players. They got to pay a ton of other players that are going to become free agents. And 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 for him, he's going to want a seven-year deal. He's going to want forty-three million a year. I think <laughs> I think the team that he wants to go to is the team that he grew up a fan of, who has a lot of money, who doesn't have a superstar player. They're building a team around, and that's San Francisco. I I think that's where he's heading. I think that's where he's going to go. That ballpark that ballpark is made for him. The house that Bonds built, but I think it's a beautiful ballpark. Well, I think he he'll he'll fit right in over there with his power. I I really do. So. Uh, I think that's where he's going. I, I don't. I, I I tell Yankee fans this: cherish the moments that you have over him here, here in New York, because I think he's going out west. I think his whole plan was was going home. You know what's crazy though? Is there a better Yankee that's been more grossly underpaid than Aaron Judge? I would say, yeah. And I I think the whole the whole taking that John Carlos Stanton contract on, and he's doing that. He's having a great season too. John, I think. Uh, I think he's got like 16, 17 home runs. He's going to have over 40 home runs this year. He's having a great year. I, I just – Judge is having a better year. And right. Uh, and right now, I don't care what John Carlos Stanton has. He's not Aaron Judge. 21 home runs, 54 RBIs. 
Oh, he's 21. I didn't even know yeah, that. 20, uh, so he's going to hit 40 home runs too. But If he stays healthy, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's – but Aaron Judge is, is the face of the team. He's one of the faces of baseball. So it's a shame that they're going to probably right. lose him. The Yankees what, didn't get what, on the trend like a lot of the other teams that were paying the young players early. But all the great Yankees have, have been paid, right? Like yeah. all the Yankees – like they paid Pettit. They paid Jeter. They, like they have no problem paying their own guys. What's their problem with paying him? He's been a great Yankee. Like, what's their problem? I being that he being that he is an older guy that's getting an arbitration. He's going to be thirty one next year. He wants seven years or more, and he wants to pay be paid forty some i forty three million dollars a year. That's a lot of money uh, for a guy that has not. He's only been healthy. For, he's been His healthy year in the last two years. Last two years. Yeah. That's it. And for a guy that wants that kind of money and being the highest paid player, I just there's no consistency. So yeah. that's I why be honest, the this is why work. baseball is this is why baseball is the worst sport. Hands down, baseball is the worst sport. They manipulate shit so bad. Like like if you have a good young player on your team, they're like, oh, we're not on the roster because then we got to pay them earlier. So then they keep them in the minors and they delay paying this kid, you know, and they, they do like they manipulate people's contracts. and stuff. They need to end that stuff, man. Yeah, it's terrible. Well, they, they changed the arbitration rules a little bit now to reward the overall production rather than just the amount of games. And also will benefit teams, young players in terms of, of getting paid earlier if they're award winners in their rookie in their rookie years and even in their early stages of arbitration, too. Because you're right. I, the Braves did that with Acuna. They didn't play him the first month in order to get the extra year. The Cubs did that with Chris Bryant and somebody else, I think Baez or something like that. Uh, the Mets were the only exception of that recently with Alonzo. They let him get called up right at the start of the season, but that was really it that I can remember. Yeah, the, the only dude that's beaten the system and it's moderately beaten the system is Wander Franco. Right. But right, but even then he's taken less money over the like he got guaranteed money, right? So like he had that one rookie year, he was good, but he keeps getting better and better. He would have been in line for three, four, five hundred million like all these other dudes. But he decided to take 150 or whatever it was. Well, he's not on the rookie right deal. He's, not, he's, he's just on the rookie deal right now. None of the players I mentioned that got that kind of money got it, got it immediately once they got, got called up. I think Acuna's was the highest that I can remember. Aaron actually, Judge got called up at 24, and that was the problem. And actually, no, I think the White Sox guys actually got the most. Either Jimenez no, I'm or... saying Aaron Judge got called up from the Yankees at 24. No, I know that. I'm talking about the guys that got paid early uh, that Jeff's referencing. But I think, I think the White Sox, uh, either Jimenez but That's what or... he's talking about. Or... He's talking about Aaron Judge and, and, and why Aaron Judge, as a Yankee, should be paid. And he's not going to get paid. But that, that unfortunately, that's going to happen. And I, I feel that he's going to be out. I, I told I mean, this I to think... my friend. But he's not going to be a Yankee next year. So cherish the moments that you see him on the Yankees. He's not. I mean, I just think it's crazy that he's been with the Yankees as long as he has been. And he's been really good the whole time he's been Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't had a chance to get a contract. How insane is that? It is. And he's going to still make a lot of money wherever he goes because if it's not the Yankees, somebody's going to overpay him. He's going to get his money. So, especially the year that he's having right now, forget it. So, but thanks, Jeff. Well, one last one before I go, if I could. Uh, The commissioner. Uh, has a spot for a legend mm-hmm. in this year's All-Star Game. Oh, yeah? Oh. Should it go to Albert Pujols? <laughs> yeah, it's his last year. I think Why so. Not? But that's what I'm saying. It's his last year. He's been an all-time great. He's a 
surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. No he's question. Like, probably yeah. the best. Besides Miguel Cabrera, he's probably the best right-handed hitter we've ever seen. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, they have a spot where he can just place somebody on the All-Star Yes, and Miguel Cabrera will be there next year. I think it'll be right. Cole Hall's this year. Saying, yeah. Miguel Cabrera next year because that's his last year. He already came I mean, out. Does, so. Cabre- oh, does Cabrera have another year in yeah. him? Yeah, he says he's, he's going to retire at the end of his contract, which expires next year. So he says he's going to play uh, this year and next year. So I expect Miguel Cabrera to be a part of the festivities of the All-Star game next year. So, Yeah, I just... You know, I'd like to see Albert be there. I think it would be really good. Uh, uh, Carl, to answer your question, they, Pujols and Molina are both retiring this year, yes. But I, I'm Molina sure they would do there. it over Pujols, too. But I, Molina might get a spot anyway. I mean, there's not a lot of great catchers this year. I think Molina— And, and listen, as good as Molina was, and he's an all-time catcher, I don't think he's close to Pujols. No, not all-time. No. He's one of the best catchers, yes, but not all-time He's great, going like, to the Hall of Fame, Molina. Yeah. So— Easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there aren't a lot of great catchers. He's uh-huh. been a great catcher. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit, I don't even know if Posada or Veritek are in, and they were both great catchers. Yeah, no, no, I, th- I think they're both out of Posada, Posada, after the first free, freaking vote, it was unbelievable. He had over 300 home runs, and he he, he, he had 2% of the votes. He completely got waved out yeah. of the All-Star. Uh, the, they're uh, the very Hall stingy with catchers. That was horrible, what they did to Jorge uh-huh. Posada. A lot of people said that. That he was robbed. David well, Ortiz said, "Get in, right?" No, yeah. Well, it maybe years, years it from goes now. To like the, it goes to like the players committee vote. Or yeah, something. but he's he's not. Yeah, unless in. they change something with he's that. He's not getting in. It's gonna be hard. They're very stingy. A lot of people didn't like Jorge Posada because a lot of people said he was mean. So uh, the, he was mean to Joe Girardi. There was some stories about that, and any other catcher that came to the Yankees, he was mean to. So uh, a lot of people and Derek, G, Derek he's Derek Jeter's best friend. One of Derek Jeter's best friend, him and Gerald Williams. And a lot of people say that Jerry Jeter's an ass, too. So I'm not surprised. You know, you know an ass. You're friends with an ass. You're an ass. But there, there you go. All right, Brett boys, have a good one. All yes, right. you too. Thanks, Chef. All right, thanks. <laughs> Brett Goldstein, uh, Josh Silverberg, get pumped. Uh, okay, whatever that means. Um, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we will be back. Uh, Molina clutch rating equals A+. plus. Absolutely, Carl. Thank you to all the fans that listened to us. Thank you to Eric um, Hasseltine for joining us. He was fantastic. Uh, uh, Bo Estes, uh, two NBA guru guys. Happy to have them on. Um, we really appreciate all of the fans that listened to us throughout the week. Uh, listen to the Weekend Crunch on Saturdays at 7 p.m. on 103.9 FM. If you're not living here, iHeartRadio. Um, hashtag ban, what is it? Ban the woodling creature. Yeah. Carl also says, Pujols amazing. I still can't believe, th- I, I still don't think that ball landed off of Lidge in Houston. Yeah, and then Brad Lidge won a World Series four years later with the f- Phillies. Oh, that's Anyways, thank you guys. We'll see you Tuesday. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.